Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And this is The Shanna and The Furious. Mm. Although that's not the name used in the one word. No, it isn't. And they, actually they didn't even not... bother with The Furious. Nobody, well, The Rock is pretty furious. The also. Rock is furious. He's I am furiously not furious. sweaty. He's oh my just God. covered just rivers of sweat. Oh, but that's he, our he's like... second feature this week. Oh, yeah, please. He's, he's like the Jordan Peele gif, uh, yeah, where he's he like just drenched in sweat. And nobody else is. Like, you you see him and Vin Diesel uh, duking it out, and it'll have both of them in a two-shot, and The Rock will just be dripping. And Vin Diesel, you know, he looks like Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Actually, the only thing that they have to offset him being such an action figure man in that uh, mm. picture. Cause he is just an action figure come to life, except he's wet. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> you know, I could have called myself Shanna five because both movies that we watched True. today, I think I'll give a five star. And they're both the fifth movie in their series. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> the fives so, episode. All fives. Uh, our first feature being Gamera versus Gyron, or under its original uh, Japanese title, the much more elaborate Gamera versus Giant Evil Beast Gyron. Or We're Giron. just assuming he's evil. Yeah, he seems kind of evilish. Seems a little dickish, anyway. <laughs> uh, His so controllers then, are evil. Yeah, they're they're pretty evil. Uh, quite generally nasty. Uh, Giron, so or I, I think it's usually pronounced Giron, uh, arguably Gilon. So the idea is it, it comes from the French for guillotine, so the Gilon. Oh, right. Oh, well, that makes sense because it's he's got the knife uh, face. It's like a knife face crocodile thing. It rules. Uh, my my certainly my favorite since Baragon. This I, I think Baragon's probably a better monster, but this one's a much better movie. Yeah, the movie around it uh, fits Gamera better. Like, I love Baragon for what it is, but it's crazy that it's an adult-aimed noir film. For like, the, for, like, the first half, and then it's like, all right, monster time, forget these guys. In fact, let's kill a bunch of them. Right, and this is the only one that's, uh, or, or Baragon, rather, is the only one that's not directed by Nariaki Yawasa. Uh, he just, like, does some of the effects and stuff on that one or i think he's second ad but uh he's the director in every other entry in this series oh wow. as in this going up to like the more recent ones well not to the more recent but like this era the the original die a ones uh i I think up to there's like a solid seven or eight of them maybe i don't know maybe he doesn't even do all of them after this but uh he does this one and he did the other ones except baragon Right, right, okay. And the so the thing was, uh, the previous one, uh, what was that? Zegra? Gamera versus uh, Zegra? I think it was Virus. I don't think I've Virus. seen Zegra. You're right, Virus. Uh, or Virus. Uh, that one was a surprise hit. Just really took off. Everybody really loved it. They were like, wow, the, we, we thought we were uh, running aground with this series. And, you know, that's why the budget was so low. It was so packed with stock footage i don't remember that one hardly at all to be honest with you it's kind of the same as this one <laughs> <laughs> i do remember a lot of similarities like the the yeah. kids uh, getting on the alien ship 
the monster is uh, part of an alien, not even an invasion in this one, but in that one it was, I think. Right. Although these aren't science explorer kids. These are just bratty kaiju kids. They're just along for the ride. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, literally along for the ride. They steal the spaceship. They're they're a takeout meal. They're an Uber Eats. Uh <laughs> What I love about it is this is where the Gamera series sort of really hits its sweet spot of being they're, – they're acknowledging like, okay, these are kids' movies, but they're also extremely weird and super violent and bloody. <laughs> so much blood. <clears throat> but yet all the adults in this are just completely useless. Every single Oblivious. one. Oblivious. Like stupid. Unbelievably dumb. The moms. The two moms. Uh, oh, strange. Uh, Again, Karen it's like, and the other one. Yeah, uh, they they're like, it's sort of what we were talking about with the previous ones that it feels like it comes from a child perspective more than it's from, like it, it's not just a kids movie. It's a movie that views the world through a child's viewpoint and it, it kind of views authority figures in the similar sort of way. I could definitely see that because. The smartest, the smartest adult in this movie is actually a dumb, goofy cop, and he's only the smartest because he knows that the kids are right. Yeah, he understands that the kids are the ones who understand the aliens and the kaijus. He's like, okay, I mean, you know, in this sort of situation, this uh, toddler child is really going to be the one who knows the right way. Uh, <laughs> Kondo's pretty great. I like him a lot. He's fun. So as I said... Uh, Director Noriaki Iwasa, 1969, uh, fifth in the series, uh, co-funded by AIP, American International Pictures, because they were sort of a hit on TV as well mm. in the U.S. And AIP were sort of auto-buying them and co-funding them uh, so that they could release them to TV with their English dubs and sort of do them in partnership. Okay, uh, that's cool. Yeah, so like AIP does the dubs, they provide the movie, and they get to dictate some of the terms. So that's why we have a token white guy, our, our uh, Tom, to go with Akio. Oh, didn't the last one have a white kid too? Right, or... and that's it, and that's why it was a big hit in America too. So you had the white kid and the uh, Japanese kid together, and they were like, okay, AIP goes to them like, we want another one. <laughs> uh, but our terms are you have to have another white kid to team up. I'm like, okay, uh, it's going to be tough to find a white kid because it's Japan. We need Japan, him to be able to yeah. speak J Japanese and everything. Uh, it's the they, 1960s. They yeah, they, they got him from the same English school uh, from like army base. You know, he's an army brat uh, <laughs> kid. Same as like the last kid. He was only allowed to take the role on the condition that he kept his grades up. Because his dad didn't really like the idea of this frivolous thing of him being. In <laughs> uh. And they wanted him back for the sequel, like the, the next one, uh, Gamera versus uh, Jiger, I think it is. Uh, but his grades got down, so his dad wouldn't let him come back for the sequel. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so Tom didn't get to return his little sister or maybe it's his big sister is in it instead. Okay. <laughs> Which must have really rubbed the salt in the wound for it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. If I was a kid, I'd be heartbroken. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was a different time. But it, it does seem like he's kind of having fun in this movie. It's a very strange 
performance. Very, very strange kid as uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode of this is sort of one of the classics, maybe their best uh, Gamera episode, too. And they keep noting how much this kid looks like Richard Burton. <laughs> he really does. Uh, so the, the English title is the much lamer Attack of the Monsters. What? Yeah, weak. <laughs> wow, that could. There's like eighteen hundred different movies that could have that title. I think a couple of them do. Uh, one of the <laughs> uh, successful Godzilla movies was, I think, Attack of the Space Monsters or Attack of the Space Monster in America. I, I think that's Ghidorah, Godzilla versus Ghidorah in Japan. So. Uh, I, I think they may have just been ripping that off, but then they made it lamer. It's just Attack of the Monsters, and they, it is. They are space monsters, so I don't know. Yeah, like... Weak. <laughs> yeah, like it's like you've got a beloved franchise. Why would you call your next entry in the beloved franchise that everybody loves Attack of the Something? Well, the thing is, they they weren't using Gamera in the titles uh, for the previous ones, I think. I, I can't oh. remember what the title was in America. They they always have just really crappy, weird titles for a lot of them. But this movie is just, it has so many different titles. Like, as I said, with Giron, sometimes it's Gilon, uh, depending right. on the release. One I, of the I things... Like, oh, please. I like evil... What is it? Evil Space Monster Giron, or whatever. Giant they, Evil Beast. That's yeah, so good. That's yeah. the, the, the original title is tremendous, or... I guess maybe some of it, it may not necessarily be the title, but just fun elaboration, but I like it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things with it being a kid's movie is that it's sort of explicitly educational, but in such a weird edutainment sort of way. It's like we're going to learn about the stars and planets and we'll have this sing along to remember all of the planet names. And if I knew Japanese, I would totally be able to remember all the planets very easily because this song is stuck in my head. <laughs> the Gamera March. Oh, yes. Go, go, Gamera. Or so, I, I don't know how it goes, but it's like... Gamera, uh, Gamera. Uh, and so the, it's, I know it's Gamera, you are so strong. That's <laughs> what it is. Gamera <laughs> is made of meat. We are eating Gamera. <laughs> no, that's the the uh, MST3K version, of course. Oh yeah, they they have some fun um, bad translation things like cut and poke, cut and poke. Camera. <laughs> it's like he doesn't do either of those things, but they get done to him. Well, yeah, uh, Gilan or Giron certainly be doing some cutting and poking. <laughs> oh man, that's his whole thing. Uh, so we we open up the alien menace begins when space waves are caught by the Lick Observatory in the <laughs> U.S. I it, that's not what it's called, is it? I think it actually is real. Oh, I, I'm really? pretty sure that is the real name. I, I think it's named after a guy named Lick. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look it up and figure it out. It is the Lick Observatory. It's in Mount Hamilton, California. Oh, shit. Uh, I just assumed it would be a bad translation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you kind of would expect that kind of thing. And yeah, it's named after a guy named James Lick. And uh, the telescope is the James Lick Telescope. <laughs> well. You learn something new every day. Try, I'm trying to make <laughs> a joke about licking the waves and it's not working. All right. 
So we don't really spend any time at the Lick Observatory. It goes to our Dr. Shiga, who is giving this <laughs> educational educational presentation. You know, he's got his cool light-up solar system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's talking about why all the planets, why none of our planets are going to have any alien life. So if there's any alien life, they're so far away and it'll take so long to get to them that it just doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's like, come on, aliens, nah, 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 you don't understand. We know they're not on this planet. We know they're not on this planet. And, like, each one lights up, you know, he's doing this whole uh, science world type presentation. Hands-on learning. Mm-hmm. Man, I miss, I, I miss being a kid and going to, like, the science kid museum places. Science world. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the one in Vancouver a few times as a kid. It was great. It, not something that they really do much of anymore. I mean, I'm sure they still exist, but they sort of had a boom industry in the 90s or the, the kid power era. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about kid power. But, yeah. Terrible yeah, I was, times. I was right, <laughs> in the, right in the middle of yeah, that shit. We, we were right there. You know, we were kids in the 90s. So it it was like full in the face with the kid power. Very strange time. But we got Bill Nye out of it, so, you know. Sure, sure. So the waves seem to be coming from within our solar system, which means, well, we know it's not from any of these planets, so, you know, they can't be from anywhere except counter-Earth, although we don't know that yet. (laughs) Oh, right. It's from a planet that's on, like, the exact opposite side of the uh, sun from Earth, so we'll never see it or something. Yeah, Planet X kind of thing. There, there's all sorts of series, uh, theories about counter-Earth. Yeah, but, you know, with our current technology, if it existed, we would have found it. Right. It's very strange, though, that they're so dubious of the idea of aliens because we've, we know there right? are aliens. We encountered aliens last movie. We encountered aliens a couple movies ago. Like, there have been aliens it's in kind of movies. a big deal. Like, uh, there were It's a Ghostbusters 2 problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ghosts? We don't believe in ghosts. That was all a hoax. I'm like, really? I don't feel that this could have been written off as a hoax at this point. But I don't know. That's true. I have learned that people are stupid. That's also true. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it does stretch the believability when every adult character is like, well, you know, there's no such thing as aliens. But I mean, obviously, we know about Gamera. Gamera's not an alien. But oh yeah, no. What Gamera about all the aliens? Gamera's fought. Gamera has fought aliens. Nah, they're not aliens. They're just Earth monsters in rubber suits. The only one that's not an alien is Baragon, right? Or maybe Gauss. Yeah, Gauss wasn't an alien. But yeah, the others alien. were. But Baragon wasn't. wasn't they just leave. They just leave Baragon completely out. Yeah, actually, you know, he Baragon show is up the, in the only flashback. one. It's it's cruel. It, it is uh, such a snub. Uh, they they show every single other one. Well, I guess he got like he got resurrected in the previous movie or something like that in one of the versions. I never did watch that version of that one. Uh, I mean, it's just it's another one that has it, it, it's a clip. It's, yeah. it's just they, they they reused the whole Baragon fight just <laughs> a, a, as a sequence in that movie because they really kind of got this one's way better about the stock footage. We have one stock footage scene and no more. Yeah, And it makes sense in context to have this there. Yeah. You just have a brief survey and like, OK, they're getting the information. It's kind of a getting us caught up, but it 
having it also makes it like, why doesn't anybody know about aliens? We know he fought aliens. This is so <laughs> ridiculous. Well, well, from the second movie on, it's like we just forgot that Gamera was also a brutal force of monstrous destruction. That's true. We we really just stick to Gamera as a friend to children with him rescuing the kid. And when we get to that flashback, they kind of conflate the first two kids. Yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're introduced to our, our two child leads. We've got our Akio and Tom. And the their little, or Akio's little sister, Tomoko, who's super cute. She's adorable. She doesn't join in on the adventure, but she is also, like the others, right about the kaiju. She's very important in the story. Mm-hmm. So uh, they spot the UFO. It, it, they're the only ones who see it. It lands nearby in a vacant lot. And they sort find of, it with their telescope. Of course. It, it feels like uh, the opening to, what is it, Invaders from Mars? Uh, one of those. There, there's one of these classic horror movies that has that as the opening. Like a kid sees it land in a vacant lot near the house and then everybody keeps going over the hill and coming back changed because they're now an alien. Oh, interesting. Very good movie. Hmm. But the the way it lands and the way, you know, it opens and it's nearby in a vacant lot, it seems almost like a lure, almost, you know? <laughs> You know, I really was completely on board with believing that the kids instantly figured out how to fly the ship to the alien planet. <laughs> and so much that I was disappointed to find out that it's a trap. It, it makes sense, though, within the movie, within this franchise, that, like, yeah, I mean, they're kaiju kids. So, yeah, sure, they can yeah. fly a spaceship. Why not? Yeah, just push buttons randomly. You'll figure it out with kid luck. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun that it turns around on them and that is not the fact uh so they of course go to investigate uh but akio's mom won't let them right at the time it's like no no uh, you want to just find new stars and name them akio and tom stars I'm like what Who, what <laughs> what do you mean first uh, i mean they, I guess, I mean, they are finding shit with their telescope that NASA can't find. Yeah, and he's also like, no, we want to go investigate this UFO that we saw. This has nothing to do with finding stars. We're not using the telescope. What's with you? Uh, <laughs> one of Akio's great lines, grown-ups have no dreams. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he's right, though. And his thing that he keeps returning to that I think is really dumb that makes Akio kind of a brain dead idiot. In my opinion is his constant returning to, well, I think the aliens will be more civilized and therefore better. I mean, one thing we learned from the few of the science fiction alien movies like uh, Prometheus and stuff is not necessarily. Well, hell not even uh, alien movies, Personal history, uh, yeah, well, higher yeah. technology being a higher civilization is how you get the Dutch East India Trading Company, right? Ooh, so it's, yeah. it's just generally a racist concept that like, oh, well, if aliens arrive with better technology, that obviously means they're superior beings who have better morals than ours. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be a little suspicious, to be quite honest. But the the other thing that he always hammers on is... 
they'll be more civilized there with no wars or traffic accidents. You know, with the aliens transport system, I bet traffic accidents happen all the time in the teleporters. You would have to imagine so. But also, what is his fixation with traffic accidents? It comes up like four or five times in the movie. So uh, whatever happened, did we ever find out what happened to his dad? This is exactly what I'm thinking. And both Akio and Tom's dads are out of the picture. And uh, they're both always talking about traffic accidents. And the mom's bringing up, like, it's just simmering in the background. I wonder if that's sort of a psychological background to them. Yeah, like maybe maybe one lost his dad in a war and the other lost his dad in a traffic accident. Maybe so, because just traffic accidents just comes up frequently, even though there is nothing to do with traffic in this movie at any point. (laughs) There's no cars. Yeah, like the mom drives up in a car once or twice. Uh, It's like, I think maybe my son might be missing, but I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know where he is? No, but that's normal. I assumed he'd just be here, but he's not here. He's like, oh, they're exploring some vacant lot. Oh, of course. The, the, the outdoor child years. But mom's like, oh, there's no such star. And uh, behave or I'll take away your telescope. And like, behave how? They're, they're <laughs> looking for, they're, they're such behaved kids. This is like when you go back to the early episodes of The Simpsons and the kids are so much less amplified than they are <laughs> now and they seem so sweet and adorable and you know like the president was talking out against them at the time it's just crazy. <laughs> oh god yeah it's like yeah early simpsons uh homer was way worse than the kid with his uh, uh strangling oh yeah and it was just sort of usually lovable like they would get into things there's the whole uh, one where Bart gets peer pressured into cutting off Jedediah, Sp- Jebediah Springfield's head, which is maybe the most extreme thing he ever did. And, you know, he was bullied into it. And uh, usually he's doing things for fairly sweet reasons. Yeah, usually, usually Bart's destruction has a positive intent. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. These kids sort of seem on a similar level to early Simpsons Bart or like that gang. Uh, They're they're just like they're on an adventure and they just it's much unlike the kids in the previous one who have this whole science background. They know how to do all these things. These are just kids who are stumbling into an adventure and willing to go along with every element of it. (laughs) They don't have any capabilities of any kind. No, they don't even have any kind of like strong connection to Gamera outside of being kids. Yeah, no, there's really nothing there. They're kind of dim, honestly. Their problem solving is not great. It takes them a while to get around to ideas, but no, it it sort of works because they got that gumption. The kaiju kid gumption. Yeah, I mean, they're... Of all the kid groups, this is the most interesting one to watch and the best hmm. kids fucking around adventure. Oh, I totally agree. One of the problems, though, is the terrible whimsy music when they're <laughs> when they're cycling over. Basically, every time Kondo shows up, which is kind of an annoying thing. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so annoying. <laughs> uh, I didn't even notice it. 
man. I've heard it so many times because I've watched this many times in the Mystery Science Theater version. I've seen this a few times. <laughs> it, it just it, it it's an earworm like the other one, but it's just like it's really annoying. So Kondo, our comical policeman. Uh, he's a cop who is not smart enough to be a bastard. So I don't know if he is or not. He kind of just works in this police kiosk, too. He doesn't seem to have any sort of major authority. Uh, he's a bicycle cop. He's practicing his sword play in the yard when they go by, which is really weird. Uh, you know, some kendo, some kondo kendo, kendo kondo. <laughs> I didn't even realize when he was doing the sword play that he was supposed to be a cop. I thought he was just some weird salary man. Yeah, he just seems like a weird guy. It's strange that he's just out there practicing swordplay in the yard when he's theoretically on duty as a policeman. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. It's <laughs> kind of strange. Everything about this about that character is weird, though. He's a very strange guy. He's sort of just based on the actor, is my understanding. This guy, Konomura, uh, just kind of he just played this character in every movie in this era. It, he was like. Uh, the the commentary refers to him as sort of the Japanese version of Don Knotts. You know, you oh. just put Don Knotts in a movie to play Don Knotts, <laughs> right? It's, it's the same kind of guy. <laughs> right on. So he's doing his stuff, and he's gotten sweaty, so he reaches for his towel. But Tom has this suction cup pistol that seems extremely overpowered, quite honestly. Oh, it is so impossibly overpowered, and he is so good at it. Because he's American, and they teach you how to use guns early. That's right. You know how to use guns. So he shoots it, shoots the towel off the back of the bicycle, all the way into the window and sticking into the wall on a, in the building. Sticking? So the, the, the towel is between the suction cup and the wall, and yet somehow the suction cup is generating enough suction to stick this towel <laughs> I thought it was a dart gun at first. Right. It's, it feels like it was written to be a dart gun, but they're like, oh, this is a kid's movie, and we actually have to soften the elements around the kids. We can have the kaiju do the craziest shit imaginable, but <laughs> kids can't really have a dart gun. Imitatable behavior. Yeah, so we, we just have them doing this impossible suction cup shot that also the bullet has to uh, has to have curved to do this shot. Yeah. And I don't care. A, I love it. Oh, no, it's great. It's hilarious. Uh, and it, it clearly establishes the power level of the kids being well above the power level of Kondo, who is just oh. unbelievably low level local police. Yeah, he's like he's like the guy that the ball cops make fun of, I think. Well, he's there to scold children for bicycle infractions. He's like, you can't have uh, Akio and your toddler sister on one bike. It's like, well. How's she supposed to get there? Come on. She's a toddler. She can ride on a bike with her brother. Chill out. <laughs> well, we don't have helmet laws yet, so I really have nothing else to enforce. Yeah, it's true. And she tells Kondo already about the spaceship, and he scoffs this first time. It's like, come on. There's no such thing as aliens. Also, I'm going to shave your head if you mess with me anymore. Which is a weird thing. Weird thing to say, and I completely missed this comment, which is... Because it comes up it, again. No, it's, yeah. it repeats, yeah. 
it's a cultural thing. Uh, shaving your head for atonement, I guess, mm-hmm. is sort of a thing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't translate super well, but yeah, it's very strange. I'm going to shave your head, threatening to shave the heads of random passerby children for letting the toddler ride on the bike with him. And <laughs> I don't know, pretending that there's aliens, even though there really are aliens. Well, even though they know, should sh- know there are aliens. You know, shaving the head of a samurai is like the greatest dishonor. You pretty much have to stop being a samurai at that point. So That's true, yeah. Top notch. Maybe they got to stop being kaiju kids? I guess, maybe. I don't know. He, he, uh, I mean, obviously, he, kept, he doesn't. He keeps it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tomoko, the sister, she's the one who finds the UFO first. She's chasing a bunny. Oh, That's so cute. And so she's chasing after the bunny and they roll their eyes and keep looking. And then the bunny leads her to the UFO. Although it leads her to like a photo of a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the green screen effects aren't great. The compositing is a little rough. It's uh, it, it always looks like they're going to try to enter this photograph. <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> uh, so the two of them, you know, she screams and they come and, uh, She's not willing to get on. She's like, I'm afraid of spacemen. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a reasonable thing to be afraid of if uh, if you're trying to make first contact. But you're a kaiju kid, so you don't have to be. The thing is, I feel like Tomoko is constantly correct. She's the most correct person in this film at all times. <laughs> that is true. Because uh, she's right about not getting on the ship. She's completely correct, and Akio is wrong. She's like, well, they flew here. They're civilized. You know, they have this technology, so they must be good. Yeah, um, maybe you ought to study up on Japanese history and what happens when people with uh, higher technology ships show up in Japan. Yeah, Uh, there's lots of history you can look into for that. Uh, oh, so the, much The expansion like, into the West, as we discussed last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically all of human history. Yeah. Uh, lots of reasons to be distrustful. Uh, you know, be afraid of spacemen. Yeah, and, I mean, they might invade. It's it's like a whole trope of them invading. Yeah. And they're they're calling out. To, to to see if anyone's there and she is just like still standing at the bottom of the stairs and like you idiots what do you think they're gonna speak japanese for they're aliens <laughs> you're like shut up but then later uh akio will be like because I, I tom continues to speak in english and like tom come on my sister was right <laughs> why would they speak japanese this is stupid so they they sit down in the the cockpit and they just press a bunch of buttons and the trap shuts and takes off. They think they started it up. They're well. It's weird because they're doing they're they're doing a countdown. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they think it's they don't realize that it's taking off. Yeah, they think they're starting it. We, the audience, probably also. Well, I did anyway. I think they're starting it, and I'm on board with it. It's like fuck yeah, these kids know how to operate alien technology just from sight. I'm I'm down. Yeah, it's got a couple, like, it's got an up button and a down button. Like, press the up button and it goes up. <laughs> it seems like that. But yeah, no, of course, it is a trap. It's remote controlled to bring food back for these ladies who are going for takeout. Because <laughs> they, they get up and it's like, oh, wait, we can't alter the course. Hey, are we actually in control here? No, I guess we're not. Oh, shit, there's these huge meteors coming our way. Oh, look, Gamera. 
Gamera to the rescue. Now, this is the first time outside of the title card the Gamera's even been mentioned or referenced. Yeah, it's kind of like Ratfinka Boo Boo, except much earlier. Like, this happens in a good 10 minutes in rather than Ratfinka Boo Boo, where 45 minutes in, suddenly, like, well, I guess we got to change into our secret identities, and suddenly it's a Batman movie. Like, what? <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, Gamera showed up. Tom's like, I'm not scared now. Akio's Gamera's our friend. <laughs> He's a friend of children everywhere. This is kind of the movie that really solidifies that. Oh yeah, well they use they say the line in this movie. They say the line a couple times. They show a Gamera as a friend to children montage. They got the Gamera March theme song. Starting right here, the march starts playing and it teaches us all of the planets. (laughs) Gamera, Gamera, you're so strong, Gamera. Ram them with your whirring jets. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it rules. It's such a great fucking song. Easily the best song in the Gamera series. This is the song that I associate with Gamera most. There's other songs? Yeah, we've had previous Gamera songs in oh, this okay. series. But this one is just, like, the one. So the shuttle starts speeding up. It, it starts to exceed a speed that Gamera can make. And Gamera's, like, trying to get in front and stop them, but uh, he just ends up getting left behind because it's going, going too fast. Yep, just... Uh, so we got to spend about half of the movie... It, it, this movie's kind of paced like a season of Dragon Ball Z, where... You establish the threat right away. You have Goku very briefly encounter the threat, but like it's too fast for him or a little bit too strong or something. And he can't finish the fight right away. Uh, So he's either got to he either dies or he has to train or something so that the B team basically buys time until the end when Goku shows up and finally does the big fight. Which we sort of had before. We've had Gamera seemingly killed and gone into hibernation and come back to life for the finale. And we sort of do all of them. Like, there's a long period where we're waiting for Gamera to show up, and then Gamera shows up and seems to die, and then Gamera has to come back just at the last moment. We're, we're sort of, like, doing a remix to get all of the best stuff from all of the previous movies. Like, oh, what really worked commercially? The the two little boys as the main characters, one white and one Asian. And we got like, uh, the, we, we got the alien monster. We got some threatening aliens with flashing orange eyes. They do the exact same thing when they first yep. introduce them. Yep. It's a different costume, but they do the same thing. This time it made me think of Marvin, the Martian at first. Oh yeah. I totally see that. <laughs> uh, these aliens are kind of like Kang and Kodos and Marvin the Martian-esque. They're very petty. They're they're, they're sort of Ferengi-esque. They seem very corporate or they come from this uh, extremely cutthroat society. So anyway, mm-hmm. back on Earth, little sister, Tomoko, goes back and she tells her mom what happened. Uh, but obviously, of course, she does not believe. Yeah, yeah, like, no, they did not go up onto a spaceship. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. They're just not around for other reasons. (laughs) And, like, 
mom's responses all feel like they're written by children as potential mom <laughs> responses, you know? <laughs> oh, especially the American mom. I, I can't remember specifically what she says, but yeah, just like she just there's seems some stuff that's just especially absurd. clueless. Yeah. Well, the the thing that mom says to Tomoko here is stop it, study, or you'll never get into a good school. And like Tomoko's uh, five. <laughs> She's got like a thousand yard stare, though. It's true. I, I love just her thousand yard stare as a five year old. She just like <laughs> seems like she's seen some shit all the time. <laughs> Best actor in this movie as well. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so the boys, they, they've fallen asleep on the ship and they, like it, it lands and they wake up and it's this post-apocalyptic alien planet. It fucking yeah. rules. It's, it's similar to the Logan's Run planet, I feel. Or the, oh. the Logan's Run uh, miniatures, their, their domed city. Yeah, yeah. Uh I like I like this because you can have Gamera smash these buildings all he wants while still having him be a good guy and not having to be like, what about all the innocent Japanese people in those buildings? Right. There, there's no one in there. Uh, we know that this whole alien race has taken themselves out and they're evil. The last ones left are really clearly evil. <laughs> they're, they're gonna they want to eat children's brains. <laughs> well, those are the best. They're the tenderest. <laughs> So they're landing the rear projection again, rough, very, very rough with them landing there. But they they get out and they hide behind a, a couple rocks and a space gyaus shows up. It's gyaus, but he's chrome now. <laughs> yep, it's a palette swap of gyaus uh, so that they could reuse him. He's a mid boss here and probably in about five or six movies, they're just going to have a whole bunch of gyauses as just normal guys for Gamera to fight because he's too powerful yes. to fight a gyaus now. I believe in the remake series, uh, the, there's a remake trilogy in the 90s, which are great. And oh, God, did they actually do that? They're in this set, uh, and Gamera 2 is Attack of the Gyaus, and it's just hundreds of them. They're a swarm. <laughs> Pretty cool. Nice. Uh, but yeah, this one, the Space Gyaus, Chrome Gyaus, he attacks. He's just lasering up the buildings. Yeah. It seems to be a, a regular annoyance on this planet. The Gyaus are a pest here. <laughs> yeah, Because another one just... shows up later. <laughs> yeah, there's just a bunch of Gyauses, but fortunately the aliens have, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't really know. They have a countermeasure. Fortunately for them, they yes. have Giron or, or Gilon. Uh, he, he's like a Gilodile. Uh, and the, the the way he's introduced, the water starts running backwards, which is kind of cool. We have the reversing water effect. Yeah, I like that, although I do wonder why they built his trap door under a river. I don't know, for fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We really don't get much of an impression of what this society was before it fell into ruin, because we just have these two ladies left, and they're very dim and very strange. <laughs> But yeah, the, the ground opens up. It's got this kind of huge, uh, I don't know, the, this uh, keeping area for him. He, it's like a coffin that he lives in. Kind of. Or, yeah, because it's, it's, like it's not like a zoo pen. It's not like he can look outside. It's not, like, it's not even like a kennel with bars. Yeah, he's just in a box. 
and I guess he's not really so much a creature as he is genetically engineered, which seems appropriate for anything in the Gamera series. They all seem to be uh, very strange genetic creatures that do not seem like they could possibly have evolved in any sort of way. Because this guy shoots shurikens out of his nose. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes more sense that he's built rather than that he lives, that he's sort of a Frankenstein monster kind of thing. Well, yeah, they they specify they have a remote control that yeah. uh, controls him that never seems to work. Yeah, it only semi-controls him. It's like, attack the thing or, like, release the gear on and uh, put the gear on away. You know, knife goes back to the drawer. But right. uh, that's really only... The, it doesn't seem to be able to control him in any more significant way. And I no. love him. Uh, so, <laughs> gear on. I love gear on. He has a look of, like, a grumpy dude who doesn't want to get up. And he's just pissed <laughs> off that he's doing this he's got these really shifty eyes all the time he's always looking back and forth he waddles he's got the big old knife head yeah uh he can jump pretty far though he's got incredible leaps Mm -hmm. and his knife is like can cut through almost anything it can cut through it can almost cut through gamera if he takes a few hacks at it yeah, it can cut into Gamera's shell. So, like, yeah. he's a really severe villain. Uh-huh. And I love just the first initial face-off between Space Gauss, Chrome Gauss, and <laughs> and uh, uh, and Giron, where they're, like, facing off. It takes a really long time to get them both in position. And then Gauss shoots a laser, and <laughs> Giron just, like... <laughs> turns his head slightly it reflects off the blade and Gauss's foot just is immediately severed by it and goes yeah! <laughs> so good like, yeah. what, what an awesome opening to just reflect it back and <laughs> like you are no threat Gauss yeah yeah I can't believe you were like the boss of your own movie once yeah we're well we're well elevated over that so Gauss starts flying around in circles and Giron does an incredible flying leap that slices one of the wings off and Gauss just lands hard <laughs> and like the flapping wing also <laughs> lands very oh, well and it's oh, like it's so twitching cool. yeah <laughs> awesome flopping uh, mm. the Gauss is so doomed but uh Giron Giron's not done well yeah he First chops off the head and it just goes flying away and then the light just goes out of the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just starts slicing up the body like it's like it's that sausage. meme from a I was thinking the meme from a few years ago where everything is cake. Oh yeah, but I, I was thinking, yeah, he seems like he's slicing up like a hot dog and <laughs> he, he tastes him but he's too smelly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he goes, Ugh, won't eat it. Rip. Too smelly to eat. Keep slicing it, though. Uh, maybe oh, some... yeah. For fun. I like slicing. Slicing is what he does. It's his whole head. <laughs> the kids are like, wow, this monster's a dick. Yeah, this monster's scary. But they do laugh. It's like, oh, Gauss is too smelly to eat. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> and then it spots them. So they have to uh, jump into one of the teleporters. And then Good thing the... they know how to use it. Well, they, they press the teleporter button and it actually brings them much closer first. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, we're immediately right next to it. And they, you know, hit a return one. And they get uh, into, up to the building. 
So I like I like the interiors of I like the interior of all the alien stuff. Super cool. I really like all of the alien designs. Just overall, it does have a lot of that Logan's Run flavor where it feels like uh, future projected from 1969 to 1976, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's simple, but you can also believe that it's like it's weird enough that you can still believe that it's alien. Mm-hmm. It's that retro futurism. Mm-hmm. So uh, Giron returns to his hole. And uh, they they go into the thing, and there's just all this cool tech. It doesn't really seem to be clear what it does, but Akio's like, wow, it must be a really civilized planet. <laughs> I bet they have no traffic accidents here, and no Doesn't wars. seem to be a whole lot of traffic or war right now. Yeah, not uh, right now. Yeah, something happened. I, the way they keep underlining it, and how Akio is just blindly like, well, this must be a really advanced civilization it kind of feels like a cautionary tale it feels like them being you know we're we're constantly hammering this because we realize Accio is wrong mm-hmm. I, I, you know uh i do think that's probably what it is here yeah i think so the, the way it's the way these movies work where they really hammer home a point if they say something like 15 or 20 times it's like there's a reason they're doing that it's this like the is traffic what the movie's thing. about so them just walking through this cool, abandoned, futuristic space. I, I absolutely love it. Totally agree. It's just one of the best things, just great art design in these movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely like this one better than the virus ship, which I completely, com- which I completely don't remember. So it can't have been as good. It was okay, but it's very samey. It was modular. So you just sort of see the same two rooms over and over again. Oh, okay. And the the tubes between them, remember? Oh yeah. Yeah. This one has a lot more to it. There's more variety. There's a lot more tech. There's all sorts of cool stuff. They had a bit more budget because Virus was a surprise hit. Right. Yeah. So this is where Tom's calling out, and Akio's like, "Come on, you think they're going to speak Japanese?" And he he <laughs> doesn't credit his sister, but he should. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah. She was right. Yeah. And Tom gets on this moving sidewalk and he's frightened by it. And now he's like, just jump off. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Come on. It's like we never saw the jet. Well, could they have seen the Jetsons? Moving sidewalks already existed. Those are like normal technology by this point. You had them at airports. Oh. They're like, it's just a moving sidewalk. Chill out. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, let's actually get on it and see where it takes us. What could go wrong? <laughs> what indeed <laughs> hmm, hmm. so immediately they're spotted by a security camera uh it's really cool it's got this glowing orange orb on the top of it oh yeah right it's i forgot about the camera super neat and it we get our first introduction of our uh alien ladies and it's just like the introduction of the aliens and virus they are creepy they have glowing orange eyes and they seem to be discussing the footage in their alien speak. Oh, yeah, they talk like so fast. So it cuts to the kids. They're like, oh, it's so cool. And they do find this fucking awesome room, the one with the globe, with all the pipes coming out of it everywhere, the tubes into just the these yellow and blue consoles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just all going up into the ceiling. That fucking room is the coolest. 
Yeah. I, I like the one that kind of looks like the monarch's bedroom from Venture Brothers. Right. I think that's where they end up keeping them most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the one that they spend the most time in. Where they cage them in the yeah. sort of weird plexiglass cases. <laughs> so the aliens show up. They teleport in. I like their capes, by the way. Very kicky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of like these aliens. Uh, they're fun. Though they're just Japanese girls with uh, not even that funky makeup and helmets with antennas on them. I kind of love it. They're fun. They're very new wave. Uh, I love that they're just cannibal alien girls. They're they're sort of just doing it all. They're, it's fun. <laughs> and they press a bunch of buttons on the blue thing. And they put on their collars, which are universal translators. They're like, we've been expecting you. It's like, we were wondering when the takeout was going to show up, but they, they never <laughs> quite put it into words. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, no, we actually, we brought you here. That that was the point of the whole ship. Yeah, it's like, this is Counter-Earth. We call it Terra. And we uh, recite <laughs> all of the planets again, because we got to keep reciting all of the planets. They got to. You can see it's incredibly cold on the set, by the way. You can see everybody's breath because uh, in actuality, like it's, it fits the plot of the movie because the planet is freezing over with a glacier. Oh, somehow I just like forgot the exposition of the planet. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> like, what's like, going how... on with them. They're the last okay. two left. Oh, so it's like the thing, but it had taken over and it's just like, it's not, no, it's nothing like the thing. No, it's just freezing. The whole planet's freezing <laughs> up. So right away, another space gauss shows up and is like, oh, man, these things are such a pest. <laughs> Flobella, uh, or, or one of our space girls, she's like, what a nuisance. <laughs> they release the, the the gear on again. It's like, oh, man, I'm sick of this. So uh, they, they explain their names. It's Flobella and Barbella, uh, which means pretty as a posy and pretty as a bird. They chose them themselves. <laughs> sure. All right. Because <laughs> we know they've taken the form of humans or some or humanoids or something, right? Oh, I I think probably. maybe not. It's hard and they to say, say. Yeah, and they're very civilized. They have really great tech. They're like, we control the law of nature here. Because, you know, they're reversing the water so that they yep. can release gear on. And Aki was like, wow, superior civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, there's only two of them, and the two of them that are there want to probably eat us. Yeah, this isn't weird at all. He's like, I thought there'd be an ideal planet without wars and traffic accidents. Second time he said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, yeah, we, we don't have a war going on right this second. <laughs> kind of, sort of. I mean, there's... A war of monsters outside. Attack of the monsters. And right, they, they say like, well, anyway, we're the last two left. And it's like, oh, well, maybe it's not that great. Uh, it was <laughs> like, well, there was a malfunction in our world computer. And it just caused this huge onslaught of kaiju. And like, wow, that is, that's a serious computer virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, why did you make a kaiju producing computer? How did don't, that happen? I, I don't think ask. It, attract, it attracted them somehow. Strange. And just kaijus constantly coming at them. And so they're the ones who sent out the waves from the start. Yeah. They were trying to get contact in some way. And 
they did send a bunch of colonists out on an escape ship, but it got destroyed on its way. So they're not coming. They're, you know, there's no one else out there. The planet's all freezing over the glacier. Uh, so, uh, you know, the four of us will just leave on that ship that you came on. Uh, and then we're just going to have a sidebar and they take off their translators. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the boys are distracted with the monster fight, so they they don't really notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Akio is pretty sure Gamera's still looking for them. And the the laser Gamera gets their attention. Yeah, what's what's a Gamera? Gamera, you say? Oh. And they, they have the boys wait in the lobby while they start to repair the ship. Oh, and, and we get a bit of printed children. Uh, well, we don't have that quite yet. Oh, because okay. remember he he has his head shaved and they're uh, right. doing their they freeze him for that. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they're we have them talking between themselves like, well, you know the ship only holds two. It's like, yeah, I know that. We're gonna eat them. They're gonna be our rations for the trip. I'm just gonna check them with the computer and make sure they're not poisonous to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I love the other aliens reactions like, Oh my God, we're going to eat these children brains. That's the a little bit later. Like, oh like, shit. Yeah. Again, a little bit later. Cause it, they, they return to these things over and over, but he's like, come on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how bacteria on this planet learn to do things by eating the brains of others. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> I'm, I know how our planet works. <laughs> So, yeah, she freezes Akio with the computer somehow and to scan his brain. He's in yep. the middle of a conversation. It really alerts Tom right, a, right away. Yeah, so Tom but, keeps, like, trying to break the freezing, and she's like, oh, my God, I guess I'll just like, finally freeze him, too. And, you freeze, too. Stop. Just stop. I get it. <laughs> don't know why I didn't just do this from the start. It would be easier this way. She didn't need to get information from Tom. <laughs> and it's it's pretty basic at first. She's just finding out his favorite food so she can get him comfortable with answering questions. It's kind of like she's grooming him. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a Stranger Danger movie, right? But it's yeah. a Stranger Danger movie about cannibal alien ladies, which rocks. <laughs> That's All right, Toshio. Would you say that you felt like a human urinal? so she learns about gamera you know he he, we we tap into his brain which remembers all of gamera's previous adventures which means the rest of the world also should recall them which means people should know that aliens exist i just have to keep harping on this (laughs) yeah no for sure (laughs) yeah it's our it's the the gamera's the friend of children montage he states this again and we have a montage of Every single movie except Baragon. Just totally snubbed. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, meanwhile, I'm sure the aliens are like, well, what's a camera? What's a friend? What's a child? Well, I think they're able to see his visualization of him. Like, oh, they, yeah. they watch the montage on yeah. their view screen somehow. And it, it's one of, the, one of the things, as I mentioned, the kid from the first one seems to also be the kid who is menaced by Giaus or... I mean, it isn't, but they sort of... And then later yeah. he saved that child from... It's like, oh, interesting. They're already sort of recontextualizing the history of the series. Just blurring the kids together. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we, we know his favorite food. He wants his mom's donuts. 
will put all of this sleeping powder in them, and that will definitely take care of them, and then we can eat their raw brains at our leisure and gain their knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where she's like, we're going to eat their brains? Like, yeah, don't you know? That's how we'll gain their knowledge. Like, this oh, is a normal right. alien thing that we aliens normally do. I mean, it, it could be a thing that they don't necessarily frequently do, but maybe it's something like, well, I went to biology class. Didn't you go to bio uh, one, one in high school? And like, well, I kind of skipped. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. He was like, oh, I didn't really know that we could do that. I sort of tracks, whatever. Uh, so Tom's mom back on Earth, Elza, she finally shows up. <laughs> she's like, she's wondering vaguely, like, something seems missing. I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> Come on! Do you know if, uh, did did I have a son who I left with you? <laughs> did we leave him home alone? <laughs> this lady, Edith, Edith Hansen, she's in tons of kaiju stuff. I think she was a main character on uh, a kaiju TV series of some sort. Oh, okay. But very famously now, she uh, she is the head of Amnesty International in Japan, which is kind of cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the moms both think they've run away, uh, but not like run away, run away, just so Tom that Tom can stay over for another night. So they're like, ah, we don't need to find them They're They'll come back so that he can stay the night. And that's fine. And Tomoka's like, no, no, y- you don't understand. Uh, they, they were taken by aliens. Like, shush, shush, shush. That's silly. Oh, my so God. She- There's no aliens. Come on. <laughs> So she stows away in the back seat of uh, of Elsa's car. Just like uh, they, they get out the driveway and she like <laughs> pops up. And the terrifying horror strings should should go with her thousand yard <laughs> stare. <laughs> She's like, no, it really was a UFO. I know what I saw. I know what I saw. <laughs> And she's like, uh, please understand. We'll, we'll pick up the police. Kondo will, will understand. And they pick up Kondo. And they all go oh. to the landing site together. And they don't believe her at first, but Kondo, you know, Tomoko implores Kondo. He's like, please believe me. Well, that's enough for me. This child is telling the truth. Yeah, well, he knows Tomoko. He's like, you're yeah. a good girl. You wouldn't lie. So he does believe her. It it uh-huh. sort of sounds like he's condescending, but from this point, he does believe her. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he is on uh, Team Kaiju Kid. He files an official report that sets everything in motion. And <laughs> he promises he'll find her brother. And it's my favorite bit from Tomoko where he says, I'm so happy. <laughs> and she's like, she frowns, she looks so sad and her face droops. <laughs> it's like, I don't, she, she knows that Kondo is not going to be successful at finding her brother. It's like, no, he left on a UFO. You're definitely not going to find him. He, he's he's in outer space. Can you go into outer space, Kondo? <laughs> I don't think you can go into outer space. But they agree they'll go to the observatory to find out. And Elza's mom is like, that's ridiculous. That's a waste of their resources. Uh, they're, what? You know, they, oh, the she doesn't believe it. Right, the observatory's resources. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Well, also just her very bad parenting line pretending to believe them is bad from an educational standpoint what (laughs) (laughs) believing kids is extremely bad for their education wow and kondo is not pretending i I guess that's the thing she's complaining about him pretending to believe but he's not pretending to believe 
Yeah, he's like, no, no, I'm definitely on. I've definitely drank the alien Kool Aid now. <laughs> Flavor it. He's sincere. Yeah, Kondo yes. is completely sincere. Yeah. So the boys are brought their donuts and the wateriest milk you ever did see. Oh, so <laughs> gross. It looks gross. It's so watery. It looks like chalk in water. <laughs> this is what milk is like, right? This is earth human milk. <laughs> yeah, this seems like maybe that's the thing. They they didn't have any sort of creature to milk, so it's a weird approximation <laughs> of it. <laughs> they just they just went from uh, the visuals. It's like white liquid. I'm sure we could find that. <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. And then the kids eat and pass out. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's a full of sleeping powder, but also because who knows what the aliens put in this food. <laughs> and they put Akio in this weird chair and they shave his head for real. Yep. <laughs> and they, they're they almost like they're right up to his head with a rotary tool. They're going to saw open his skull and eat his brain. <laughs> like, wow, this this movie got very intense all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I thought they... Like, it was so close, I th- I thought they were going to cut in. Yeah, but he's saved by an alarm. Gamera's showed up just in time. Oh, he finally made it. And they knew Gamera was coming. Oh, Gamera's got to show up at just the right yeah. moment. And they fire some rockets at him, which obviously don't work, because you know, they should know this from fighting Kaiju all this time. If it didn't work on the Gauss, it's not going to work on Gamera, who they have seen video evidence of can defeat a Gauss. Yeah. <laughs> so they they let Giron loose, of course. We get our first Giron Gamera fight. Giron kind of kicks his ass. It's awesome. <laughs> he can't quite choop through Gamera's shell at first, at but first. like he just keeps going at it and going at it, and it just <laughs> I I like the way Gamera's limbs all bug out, like his neck and his. <laughs> oh yeah, like <laughs> like he's. Like a squish toy being uh, squished. Or, or uh, like a noisemaker. <laughs> he hits them and just all of them blow out like they're yep, yep. Full, of, full of air. <laughs> you know, but then he keeps chopping and it becomes just gouts of fucking liquid green. <laughs> just <laughs> sprays of Gamera blood. This is a yeah. very bloody one because this, you know, we had the purple-blooded uh, Gauss, which we didn't mention. You know, he gets chopped into sausages and eaten, or attempted to eat. <laughs> but Gamera bites into one of Giron's paws, and then he fucking hurls him like a javelin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he like goes blade first into the ground. And Gamera or no, that goes, doesn't happen yet. Uh, I think this one, yeah, he just maybe goes into a mountain, but at the very end, he javelins him into the ground from, he, he does like a sky drop. Oh, yeah, from like <laughs> orbit almost. Yeah. <laughs> the fights the fights in this are really fun. They're all fucking great. Uh, here we get some real flamethrower Gamera, which is always rad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't see that as often in the later films. True. It's just so cool to see. It's like, wow, that is a real flamethrower coming out of that Gamera suit. (laughs) And that's when uh, Giron lets out his throwing stars, which come out of his nose, as I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Some throwing stars come flying out and they get Gamera right under his eyes, which is not (laughs) 
not fun for Gamera. It yeah. looks like he's crying green blood. Uh, they, they get his they get his limbs too, don't they? And he's like trying not to yet. pull them out. Oh, okay. First one is the eyes, and then the shurikens return to Giron. We we see they're like a boomerang thing. Right. And Gamera gets some snow and rubs it on his wounds. <laughs> and he he gets like a huge stalagmite out of the ground and starts deflecting them. <laughs> like there's another barrage of throwing stars and he just like ka-ching, ka-ching, they go back. <laughs> but it's like it it's taken his toll on him the fight up to this point cuz he like starts stumbling dizzily backwards and then falls into the lake. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, this is where he falls into the lake. Yeah. And I'm sure he's fallen backwards into a lake in at least one of the other movies too. I but think so there there's definitely one where it seems like he's dead and he's just in hibernation and then finally uh heals up but we know that like water seems to heal him maybe something to do so with does that. fire although they don't really use that not a, they don't use that at all in this one true right he eats fire <laughs> yeah uh, but the ladies, you know, they don't know a lot about Gamera's history. They just got the brief Gamera is a friend to children explanation. So they're like, ah, he's he seems to be dead. We're good. Yeah, I, it's not like Kaiju could regenerate or anything. Fair. Well, I guess maybe not in their experience. It's uh, generally worked out. Can't. Yeah, it seems like it. Gauss's can't. Yes, it sure can't. They get chopped up. It seems like he's dealt with enough of them that he'd know by now that he can't eat them, but... Hey, fun. <laughs> Maybe this one will taste good. No. Nope. Nah. It's just for the insult. So they go back to the kids, but the sleeping drug has already worn off. Yeah. Tom's woken up and he overhears the women talking about cooking them. <laughs> it's like, we'll eat the boys later. Let's fix the spaceship feist. <laughs> I'm just reminded of that scene from like the Simpsons where. They get abducted and it's like, no, 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 it's a book of how to cook for 40 humans. Right. Although here it's there, there's no book. It's yeah. just like they're talking about eating them I'm like, oh, yeah. that's not good. That's a problem. We'll eat the boys later. And like, oh, shit, I better go back and wake up Akio. And he just won't wake up. And he punches him in the skull. <laughs> wake yep. him. Bap. He's like, how fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so then the 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 women come in. And see that they're already awake. And we get that great teleporter chase. Oh, yeah. So th- this is so fun because they're chasing each other in teleporters. You can't really see it, but you can see all the blinking lights through the base from the outside. And you know, it's, you just know it's one of those like Scooby-Doo where they're running through the door scenes. Yeah, yeah. And it goes boop, boop. And then they appear. And uh, the, the kids are smart enough. They wait at one of them and then they do a return to teleport the ladies backwards. And then it's like, oh, we'll just break the knobs off and then that'll probably stop them from coming back. Uh, And it seems like they can't come directly back, but they just do a round, like they do a full circuit and come back (laughs) the other way. It's like, how did you come back? Like, we just went back. We we did a full circuit. I'm like, ah, crap. Remember how we (laughs) built this technology and you didn't? (laughs) Well, it, it, it's kind of amazing that it works at all because they just seem to take the two, the up and down buttons from the outside and they're like trying to smash them on the ground. Like, <laughs> I don't really know how that's supposed to stop the thing from working. They're like, unless it, it, the up and down buttons are the power source. 
it seems like they're the buttons to activate it from outside, which means that you're just losing the ability to activate it. But anyway, it doesn't work out for them and they get caught again. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? They were trusting in uh, kid kaiju logic. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But they get put in cages. Right. It it got them sent as takeout so far. It's not working out for them as great as it worked out for the kids in the previous one. So far. It'll it'll work it out in the end. Oh, yeah. So they get put in this cage, this weird sort of triangular plexiglass lucite or whatever cage. (laughs) Uh, And back home, the moms are actually starting to get worried. They still don't believe any of this fucking alien bullshit. But then the press show up to talk to Tomoko. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we believe in the alien bullshit, though. Why don't you tell us about it? We want to hear Tomoko's story. Because, you know, Kondo filed this official report. Like, we want the story. And the moms are like, well, I guess we can't say no to the press. Tom is, like, screaming for Gamera because they're stuck in the cage. And we see Gamera wake up under the water. Oh, yeah, the whole, wake up, Gamera, you can do it, we believe in you. We believe in you. He, he needs the kid's belief to sustain him. Oh, yeah, he's powered by the prayers of children. He's like Santa. Mm-hmm. Gamera claws. And they finally remember, like, oh, hey, we have that suction pistol. Why don't we see if we can hit one of those switches with it? But his game's off, I guess, because he's on an alien planet. He can't seem to hit the right switch. Yeah, well, he's not close enough to read what he's he doesn't know how to this time he can't figure it the can no they know which time. switch it is they oh. know exactly which switch it is they just can't hit it he keeps missing oh, he's weird. they've got this convenient little hole in the cage that's just yeah. the right size <laughs> that's funny that that's in there <laughs> i mean it's it's there because the plot needed it to be and he has three shots but he fires yep. it and he, he just keeps missing he accidentally lets gear on out first yeah, whoops. <laughs> and then, like, he fires a couple more, and he just runs out of shots. He just misses. And the ladies, meanwhile, they've fixed the ship. They're ready. Uh, but Giron's heading over to them, so they have to, uh, you know, split, because <laughs> they, they uh, didn't expect Giron to be out. Oh, my God. Did you did you put the kids in the plexiglass jail with the hole in it? <laughs> oh, you know, Why I think I did. Why do we use that one? Damn it. <laughs> It's like, ah, we don't need to go get the kids. There's there'll be plenty of boys to eat on Earth. (laughs) She's right. She's right. Uh, uh, But, you know, they take off and Giron leaps and slices the ship in two. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't think it through very well. Their their security system didn't let them out. (laughs) So Barbella is paralyzed in the crash. Uh, she can't go any further, so Flabella fucking disintegrates her. You know, there's no room for mercy or uh, people who aren't perfect in their society. society Even though they're the last ones left. Now, which is now one person who can't <laughs> reproduce. It's, it's well, I mean, they, they couldn't reproduce either. Uh, but well, maybe they could have. Maybe they could, yeah, aliens. But yeah, uh, it seems like a destructive way to run society, which also, you know, <laughs> it's part of the message of the movie, I think. Yeah. So Giron is lumbering toward the control center now where the kids are, and he starts hacking away at the outside. At least the uh, at least the building's made of stronger stuff than Gauss is. Yeah, it was stronger stuff than Gamera's shell even, because it's taken quite a few 
smashes. And the boys are like screaming for Gamera's help. So he finally fully wakes up and comes to the rescue. Uh, well, actually, arguably, it's not them screaming. The the rumbling from Giron hitting the thing makes a rock fall and land on his chin. Like he's, he's upside down and hits yeah. his chin. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminded me of when uh, Gios is having... In his movie, he's having his temper tantrum in the cave and, like, the rock falls and hits him on that. He's like, oh, yeah. It falls on his toes. Oh, his toes, right. It falls on his little footsie. He's just like, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." And all the rocks are falling. Like, everything's falling apart. The cage has been destroyed in the wreckage of the control room. As You know, the, the, the window's broken. Everything's falling apart. And they're cheering on Gamera for the fight. Mm hmm. So this one, just some classic kaiju wrestling, top peak stuff. Uh, <laughs> parallel bars. Oh, we got the parallel bars. There's that bit. Gamera does a sky butt drop right onto uh, Giron's back. Oh, man. Bowser from Super Mario 3 100% stole that move. It's it's totally the move. Uh, uh, Giron shows he has his tail flip, which can send Gamera just fucking flying. And that's oh, where yeah. he hits the parallel bars and does his little <laughs> Olympic routine, which was so fun. That's in like the opening credits of mystery science theater. Like they, they oh. love that bit so much. It's in it. <laughs> so many episodes. I love that. <laughs> this is the part where Giron fires the shurikens one into the left hand and one into the right knee. So he does a little dance. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause he can't get his uh, fire. He can't retract his arms for the fire jets. Right. And Tom thinks it's funny at first. Cause he doesn't, have quite the kaiju kid deep lore knowledge that Akio does. He's like, he's doing the go go. <laughs> but Akio's like, no, you don't understand. He can't, you know, retract his his limbs to use his jets this way. And like, oh no. But it's still a pretty funny dance. Come on. <laughs> hey, younger he had a funny dance too when he was itchy. That's right. Uh the kids find Giron's return switch. So they just hit it and he they they don't do the whole process of like the water doesn't return. He just falls backwards into it with a huge <laughs> thud. Yep. <laughs> and he just gets back out because everything's fucking fallen apart and destroyed. He can't really be kept there anymore. Because mm-hmm. Gamera's just like sitting back to recuperate uh, underwater, removing the shurikens. And Giron just like crawls back out and dives into the water to keep going on the fight. Yeah. So we get a couple slashes on the shell. Uh, Gamera gets a hold of Giron's knees. Uh, and he, he gets the foot jets going, launches out of the water. And we do that incredible drop all the way from the sky, planting him upside down in the ground, which is such a great shot. <laughs> Gamera sitting next to him doing his celebrating dance. And <laughs> someone clearly in the upside down suit, knife down to the ground, like limbs flailing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Giron still has his shurikens, though. Right. Uh, and Flabella has set off a bunch of missiles. Gamera catches one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He, like, throws it <laughs> into Giron's now empty shuriken nostrils. Well, yeah, he, he fires the shurikens. Uh, yeah, the, the kids also, they, they kill Flabella with their own missiles. Uh, they, they fire a couple and it hits the knowledge center of the planet where Flabella is and she dies. And then I guess when they die, they disintegrate. Ooh, I hear a purry kitty. 
Oh yeah, she's a purring <laughs> kitty. Yeah, they they disintegrate kind of uh, Jedi style, but like bright orange. This is similar to the teleportation effect. Actually, very similar. It's like pretty much. Hey, exactly she similar. either teleported out of my house, okay, or she died. I don't know which. I think in this case she dies. She gets hit by a she missile. Died. Uh, she died. But yeah, Gamera dodges the shurikens, and the kids start yelling, aim for the hole, which was pretty funny. And <laughs> that's when he throws the missile through the nostrils. It goes in one and out the other. And, and it's stuck there. He's got a septum <laughs> piercing. And and Gamera lights it up, and he fucking, his ass explodes off. Uh, real <laughs> fucking hard kaiju death along the lines of Yongari, uh, you know, bleeding out into the river. Yeah. It's up there. Uh, and, and Gamera uh, welds the ship back together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he just... He's just holding the ship and he's just breathing fire into it. <laughs> you can clearly see that he has not set them together even close to even. <laughs> There's going to be a really uneven. St- but of course, it doesn't need to fly. He just carries it in his mouth to get back. <laughs> Gamera, Gamera. Gamera. Gamera is really neat. Gamera is full of meat. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Tomoko is the first one to see them coming back. Hey, it's it's an alien ship and the kids and Gamera, who we all don't deny exists. We all know about that. Yeah. Uh, Tomoko sees them, then Kondo, and then the observatory. <laughs> yeah. Weird that they saw it with their naked eye before we caught it with our telescopes, but hey. And not only that, there's tons of reporters there, too. And Kondo's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, uh, you need to understand, Gamera is a friend to children. <laughs> Tomoko is, or Kondo is informing them. It's like, yeah. oh, interesting. Like, how do they not know? <laughs> Just well, adults maybe, don't have any dreams. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they never asked any children about it. They were like, hey, there's this turtle and he does this weird shit every now and again. I don't know what that's about, but. Bizarre. Make a, oh, it's about children. Children. Okay. Oh, okay. And the moms are like, Oh, we're we we regret not believing our kids. Of course, you know they they gotta apologize. Yeah. And Akio has learned his lesson. He says we shouldn't long for another planet, but make Earth a place free of war and traffic accidents. <laughs> I mean, we should. It's... Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's not wrong. It's just it's strangely specific. The traffic accidents thing. Keeps oh yeah. <laughs> I I just thought it was like some weird thing like some kids just have such a skewed perception of what the worst thing ever is oh sure and i think to an extent that's definitely what it is and it's maybe there was a traffic safety campaign going on in japan at the time the movie was made but it definitely does feel like it's a psychological thing and it's like (laughs) this is how he lost his dad and that's it's it's sticking with him and that's sort of never stated but it's there in the background i choose to believe that too yeah so you know, the kids run, they're waving a Gamera, you know, they're running down the beach waving a Gamera, exactly like the ending of the previous movie, you know, the <laughs> March plays, and the yeah. end. Uh, and it fucking rules, it's the best Gamera movie. Yeah, uh, this is everything <laughs> that I wanted one of these movies to be. Yeah, it's it's so great, the alien ladies, the cannibalism, the fucking uh, gauss getting cut into sausages, that we have <laughs> all of these monsters coming together, the space stuff, the stupid, completely oblivious, disbelieving parents, the bratty <laughs> fucking kids, does it all. Yeah, yeah, um, 
and the merch, and <laughs> which the you merch, will yeah. always have in your head. <laughs> yeah, no, like the the whole time I was smiling the whole time watching the spoopy i was like oh yeah this rules oh my god yes oh my god he's doing the power bomb oh shit by god <laughs> from the top rope uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's some classic kaiju wrestling both of the fights in this are tremendous and it, it doesn't feel empty with only the two fights you know I, it would have felt worse if you had a fake fight inserted from a previous movie like they yeah. did in virus i'm glad that they just built it well they had more interest in the human stuff it's it's one where you actually have a lot of fun with all the human stuff because you have the cannibal alien ladies to uh contend with it it gives it a different uh, a different dimension from just you know the kaiju wrestling where a lot of the time the human stuff is just i don't care why do yeah. i care about these people yeah, like, I, I I just remember, the only reason I remember Barugan's human stuff at all is because it's so weird that it's a diamond heist. <laughs> Completely insane. And then kills everybody off immediately after the, the monster's revealed. Pretty much everybody. You, you're just left with the one guy who's sort of good to resolve the things. Like, ah, shit. All the bad guys are just dead, and then, like, okay, that plot is resolved, and now Barragon. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I don't remember the human plot in Gauss. Um, there was that kid who, he's a kaiju kid, and... Oh, there was like a cave-in or something. Yeah, he he was the one who the reporter doesn't try to save and then immediately gets eaten by Gauss. Yeah, that's right. Classic, classic. Uh, but this one, yeah, I, I think it's my favorite. This one, or Baragon, this one is the more pure one, the more proper Gamera movie. Like, if you were to do, recommend one perfect Gamera movie for people to see, this feels like the ideal one. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, obviously a strong recommend from both of us on this one. It's such a mm-hmm. blast. Uh, so I, I didn't fun. mention we're watching, of course, from the Arrow box set, as we have been, just the complete one, which rules. Such, like, a giant, beautiful artwork. Um, like, the size of a hardcover book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, uh, comprehensive. You have the alternate opening credits. You have commentary tracks. Interesting. Uh, very complete a collection of all of the old production art, old VHS covers and posters and everything. The image gallery is really uh, comprehensive. So next in this Gamera series, of course, next from the box is Gamera versus Jiger, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So I can't remember this one very well. This is one that there was not a mystery science theater of, so I haven't seen it as much as the others. Okay. But what I do know is that this is a really bizarre one where uh, the monster Jiger, it's a female monster in this case, and it spears into Gamera's chest and lays eggs inside him. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And kids have to get in a submarine and travel through Gamera to deal with it. That sounds awesome, (laughs) or it could be incredibly stupid, but it could be awesome. Uh, I can't really remember exactly how it lands. I remember it being another very strange one. So that definitely has uh, something going for it in that respect. Well, I like strange sometimes. I like strange. Strange is the right flavor to go with for Gamera especially. Yes. Uh, Gamera is a strange flavor series where you just really want to get in 
the weirdest stuff. The weirder it gets, the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It, it it so embodies childlike nature. Uh, the, the this series like it, it it leans into the violence. It's willing to be comically bloody and gruesome. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, this is probably bloodier than Godzilla, isn't it? Oh, I would say so for sure. Uh, Godzilla is very somber. Mm-hmm. The the original Godzilla. The, the sequels. I don't really recall if any of them ever really get all that bloody. Like they also become kids movies, but they kind of stay a little bit more mainstream. They never get quite as gruesome or as absurd. Like there's weird shit where Gamera has a son or Gamera. Godzilla has a son who oh. is has to deal with bullying from other tougher kaiju. <laughs> look, the series gets strange. What can I say? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Uh, yeah, there's this, there's uh, a movie called Godzilla's Son or Son of Godzilla, and he befriends some human kids because he's not that big. He's only a little bit bigger than people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and and he doesn't really have much in the way of kaiju powers. He blows smoke rings. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, he's really lame. He's called Minya. Uh, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just come out and say it. Not a fan. So, any last thoughts on Gamera versus Giron before we uh, head on to part two? Cut and poke Gamera, let's fighting love. <laughs> we all love you, Gamera. And we're back! Fast five! <laughs> this movie's so fast. Oh my god. It's like, it's, it's an all-caps sort of movie, uh, very uh, against what our normal tempo is on this podcast, I feel, but no. This, this very movie, good movie. It, uh, yeah, it it doesn't stop. Uh, it doesn't waste any time, and yet it's still a two-hour and ten-minute film. Yeah, it's packed with action. Uh, it's truly I, – I think it's one of the great action movies of the past decade or so. Uh, yeah, this one's – about 10 years ago now. A little over now. This is like 2011. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. 12 um, years ago. Good Lord. More people. I'm surprised more people don't talk about, like, the big climax scene because holy shit. <laughs> the vault chase scene is incredible with the vault attached to the two cars. It's absolutely one of the great car chases. I've never seen anything <clears throat> like that before. And so rad. Holy hell. <laughs> And I love how practical the effects work is. Uh, it's it's kind of consistent in this series. It's got a lot of very practical effects work with the cars and stuff. But uh, this is one that really doubles down on it. One of the arguments I've heard is that uh, the Fast series or the Fast and Furious series or whatever you want to call it, because the titles are all over the place. Uh, <laughs> the Family series. Fast Family. Family. <laughs> it's about family. It's about family. Uh is that this is a superhero franchise and that it's the one original superhero franchise that's been successful, the one that's not based on an existing property. Um, I, I don't know about the ones leading up to this, but this is a superhero movie. It's just that yes. nobody has superpowers. This is kind of the one that puts it all together. It's like, wait, we've got a shared universe. We have <laughs> all these disparate movies that are sort of vaguely interrelated. Why don't we bring all those characters together and create a super team and go on a heist? And it's great. It fucking rips. Oh, heck. I mean, yeah, they're totally superheroes. Batman doesn't have superpowers and he's a hero. Yeah. And they got crazy fucking gadgets that don't exist. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> It becomes more and more science fiction as the series goes on. 
My understanding is at one point they go into space. Absolutely. I haven't seen any of them after this point, but I know bits of all of them and they definitely become more sci-fi. And like one thing to note in terms of it being sort of like a comic book movie and, you know, all of these characters being drawn from previous ones and like, oh, you know, first appearance in X, right? Uh, Han, Han Lu, one of our main characters in our team, he died in Tokyo Drift. Wait, what? <laughs> he seemed to die in a fiery explosion. It's never mentioned or explained here. I think it's explained in one of the later ones where they have to be like, oh, yeah, I guess since we're sort of a comic book movie franchise now, we sort of have to explain the threads between all of these things. And it's like, oh, this is what happened. And he actually got out of it, I guess. I mean, I that's my understanding. <laughs> this movie does end on a Thanos stinger. Oh, it totally well, does. I, I I haven't seen the previous movies or know anything about the franchise, so I don't know who the person is, but I get Thanos energy. I can't remember, to be quite honest, uh, just thinking <laughs> back. I believe it's someone who is in the second movie, but okay. I could be misremembering. I did watch the first four not that long ago, but the thing is, the, the, the Han thing is an example of how Having a familiar familiarity with the existing series is detrimental to your understanding of the film and rather than being <laughs> supplemental. That's true. Um, watching this film, having seen none of the previous movies in the franchise, except Other I saw one when it came out yeah. and remember very little, you Pretty don't straight. need to know anything about these don't. characters' backstories. I had never seen one, two, or three when I saw this the first time. I had seen four and was totally lost. Mm, right, you would you had been saying that, and it had left left no impression on me other than the opening sequence. And this movie just does the opening sequence for the whole movie. It rips, <laughs> <clears throat> like it does the whole family thing, and it has all the characters, and everybody's got a backstory, and everybody's interrelated. But you get enough of a sense of it directly within this movie that none of it matters, and somehow it's like you said, there's not a wasted moment. <laughs> If somebody's talking, they're talking about something that you need to know about. Yeah, they're going to give you the backstory while a car chase is happening. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the the James Cameron Terminator approach. Oh, yeah. Or the uh, Andy Sedaris approach. you got to have either action or tits if you want to be doing exposition. <laughs> not just uh, not just walking with a voiceover while your hat blows off in the wind. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to do it. That's how those <laughs> European art house folks do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just now imagining this movie made by Ray Dennis Steckler. I mean, you'd have to have a much lower budget. Uh <laughs> So I was looking, talking to Paul Walker, uh, Brian, who was dating my sister, and I found out from him that she was pregnant. I thought we were going to split up, but then I decided we shouldn't split up because family sticks together. Our family just got a whole lot bigger. The kids were grooving, and I was grooving. You, you gotta have, I, I guess instead of the rodeo, you have an extended barbecue sequence, a family oh barbecue. <laughs> it's like home home footage of like a family barbecue yeah <laughs> i was chasing vid diesel and a vault <laughs> I mean, like, uh, in terms of the action sequences i really can't imagine what could be accomplished i don't think i've ever seen anything really like a car chase 
in a Steckler movie. Like there are vehicles in some of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but car chase, I wouldn't really say is a, a thing. There's some carjacking. Thrill Killers has some carjacking. Oh, interesting. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so um, here's the first 30 seconds of this movie is like, is this. Uh, we have a judge saying, oh, Dominic Toretto, he's going to be in jail. He's never going to come out. 25 years to life. Then we cut to him on a prison bus. And then we cut to five fast cars behind the prison bus. Yep. That's uh, they crash into it. It goes flying. It goes rolling. It goes rolling, 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 rolling. And then we see a montage of reporters saying, Dominic Toretto has escaped from jail. Nobody has died. We're looking for Paul Walker. It, and I, It is unbelievable to me that nobody died. That bus crash was insane. Uh, so, like, it's Paul Walker. He swerves in front of the bus. Uh, and they have, like, a couple cars set up to just somehow flip the bus and roll it and it really crunches on its top it's not you know those sorts of buses are not built to roll yeah, not to built to be upside down no no um i don't believe them that everybody survived <laughs> the no casualties is truly unbelievable and i think it speaks to the reason that this movie is set in brazil <laughs> that it's like well if we're going to be killing a bunch of official people and police, we can't do it in the United States politically right now in 2011. Uh, now yeah. they could. Uh, now. 2023, you could do this plot in, like, Detroit or something. Oh, you know? totally. Well, now Maybe not you... Detroit, but, like, you know, one, of, one of those uh, big cities. Yeah, yeah, or Chicago or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just... It just starts so fast. I couldn't even believe it. I was, and then like the big action scene is done. And I look at the timer and I'm like, what? 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes really hard. And this is a series that is known for great opening sequences. Uh, maybe not in the first one. I think that's the one where it's just the first race between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, where Paul Walker totally loses. Oh, okay. Um, I believe and the but but like the fourth one that was the only saving grace of that movie it had an incredible opening sequence and then it just totally went to sleep after <laughs> but this one it never stops no there's like a couple of bits where they're sitting down to talk but usually it's just like okay we're establishing stakes by saying that she's pregnant um, yeah remember how these guys are family let's do a barbecue so that you remember Right, and you sort of get a bit of an idea of how all of these characters relate to each other in case you haven't seen the other movies where they relate to each other. And uh, the rest of it, like, it's just tight heist plotting. It's Ocean's Eleven, but all car stunts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we begin our real opening scene is a train robbery with cars. Oh, it rips. <laughs> So that whole thing with the prison bus escape, you think that's going to be your big opening action scene. Uh, it's not. They go back to the base. They're, they meet up with this guy, Vince, who I guess must have been from a previous movie, too. He was in the first one. OK. So his whole story was in the first one. So you may not really recall it, but uh, he betrayed them or he was he he had just beef with Paul Walker from the beginning. Right, because he's. 
you wouldn't know it from this movie, but he, like, other than people saying it, but yeah, he's a cop, I guess, or a former cop. Up until now, he was a cop. In in the first two, he's a cop. Uh, and then, of course, he's not in the third one. In the fourth one, I think he's maybe still a cop. But then at the end, he decides, like, I, I cannot remember what happens in the fourth one. I watched it like a month ago. It doesn't <laughs> exist. It just whisked out of my mind. It's easily the worst one. Um, it like it, it. The whole movie feels like just them having hazy reminiscence of what happened in the first movie. It's like I saw the first movie and it wasn't that great. What are we even doing here? <laughs> but in the first one, Vince, I think he sells them out, and he's the one who has to leave the country. And he's just always had uh, beef with Paul Walker because it's his sister, right? Um. Or it, no, it's, it's uh, Vin Diesel's sister. Yeah, I think it's also. I think he's also a brother or something. I mean, it's all this family bullshit. Yeah, but, I. <laughs> yeah, they, they've always, you know, the the two of them have always been at each other. It's just, right. you know, this is the first time he's shown up again since the first movie. Okay, yeah, so he shows up to convince, uh, to convince Paul Walker and uh, Mia. Dom's sister it's like hey well you should do this one job since you don't have a lot of cash and this job is really easy you just got to come along with these really sketchy guys yeah what could go wrong <laughs> what could go wrong indeed and the, the obvious stuff goes wrong these guys are all uh you know trying to uh they, there's a secret thing that they want there's one car that they want to get because it has secret stuff hidden in it yeah the mcguffin car yeah you gotta have a thing like that, and you know they they immediately clue in that these guys want specifically that car, and like, hmm, that's a little weird. Let's take that car and not give it to them. Which I don't know. Maybe if they didn't do that, this whole subsequent movie was not necessary, and they could have just drifted away with the money from this score. Yeah, but then the evil guy could stay being the evil guy. I mean, it's true. Then we wouldn't get the amazing climactic action sequence that takes half an hour and is one of the most incredible fucking uh, chase sequences of all time. I don't know. I really I'm believe glad. That, yeah. <laughs> I honestly believe that they wrote the movie backwards from the climax. It's like, okay, I got this cool idea. We got like these ropes and we got like this, I don't know, some, some kind of a big heavy block and two cars. Let's figure something out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's how a lot of this is written. And I guess the really fascinating thing is this is completely a superhero action team up heist movie and not at all a street racing movie, which <laughs> all of the previous films have been like. I think the fourth one was also a heist movie. I The beginning sequence is them hijacking a gasoline truck. But it's like, what is this, Mad Max? And I don't remember why they needed to. And ultimately, I don't remember anything about that movie from that point forward. Still, again, even like the second time through. That's. Uh, yeah, see, watching this movie, I, I just kind of assumed they were all going to be heist movies. And they're yeah, just like I think slowly from this point forward, they are. Yeah, just slowly graduating up to bigger and bigger heists. Right. But like with how much they feel like they've done heisting before you oh. wouldn't think this is their first 
Well, it, it's sort of a weird thing where in all of them there has sort of been a heist element because they're street racers who fund their street racing with incredible heists occasionally. Yeah. Like, there's always some element of heist to it, but this one they just go all in on that, and they're like, maybe not so much the street racing. That one's getting tough politically. <laughs> I would I would expect that around this time they're starting to get a bad rep for uh, people dying in street races and stuff, you know, unsanctioned street races in cities. Right, right. Um, I, I do recall the... for a period that it seemed to be the heat was rising on like public opinions, like maybe this isn't such a cool thing to glorify. So what can we make our Fast and Furious movie about then? Oh, we've wow. already got the heists. We've already <laughs> got the super team. Yep. We've got all our specialists. We've got a guy who can Tokyo drift. It doesn't matter that he's dead. <laughs> I mean, they could theoretically have brought in, you know, one of the other characters who learned to Tokyo drift, i.e. the main character in that one. But I don't know. Were they going to bring back? Uh, I don't remember who it was. <laughs> Uh, what are they gonna bring back? Bow Wow. He was one of the characters in that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Bow oh wow. yeah. I guess Ludacris was in this one, wasn't he? He's in a most of them. Uh, he started okay. in, I think, the second one. Oh, uh, okay. Both him and Tyrese were introduced in Too Fast, Too Furious. Right, right. Tyrese is the other one. Yeah. It's like I, I watched the credits. I'm like, I know almost all these people. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty solid cast. Yeah. These uh, maybe not so much at this time. They were not really well known outside of this, but these movies are so big that they've all sort of spun off from this in one way or another. Most of them, not all. Well, Ludacris had been around, I think, before. Well, he was a rapper in yeah. the nineties and aughts and stuff, and he like he he got into acting as well. But you know, I I knew him as a rapper well before this. Oh yeah, no, me too. Yeah, so the, so the train heist. <laughs> oh, train oh, heist rips. They're, they got this truck that they're uh, they're pulling the cars out of the train sideways, but but then the team the, with like bungee cords. Yeah, with bungee cords, but then the thugs betray them when they decide they want to take this one car because it suits her better, but really because they know there's something up with it. Right. And well, it they say, "Well, this is my car," and they're like. Well, I thought maybe I'd take that car because he seemed too aggressive about it. Also, yeah. they learn as they're going in that this it, that these cars are for, or or I believe specifically, uh, Brian Paul Walker's character notices because he has an FBI police past. Uh, he recognizes that these are cars for uh, FBI seizure or something like they're cars yeah. that belong to that have been seized by. Uh, the government. Yeah, yeah, they're in the process of like taking these cars right. into into like the FBI or the CIA or whatever. So yeah, they're basically hitting an FBI train. Right. So it's like, oh, that's that's shady and maybe something we should have known about beforehand. <laughs> and then they seem to want this one specific car. Well, heck, maybe we should find out what we're really dealing with here and. Uh, right. Just kind of take this car over here until we know that everything's going to be okay. Although I do argue that if they had just let them take the car, uh, none of the subsequent movie would need to have happened. <laughs> like they, they got stuck in this 
really dangerous situation where they needed to get all of these people and they're being hunted down by action figure man uh, <laughs> for, for because they were really curious about what they wanted. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, I, it's, it's great. I'm glad it's why they did it's the way they go. Cause you know, it creates the movie, but <laughs> I, I don't know. They could I just let these... them have it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe they thought that these thugs were going to kill them off anyway once they got what they wanted and not pay them. Possibly. It's, it's, I, it's definitely how these thugs roll. Yeah, I, I certainly would not put it past them. And maybe, I don't know, who cares? It, does, it yeah. makes the movie happen. It doesn't it's matter. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the bit where Vin Diesel throws the dude out of the train and he, like, bonks the fucking post oh, yeah, of the bridge. They're, they're just getting to a bridge and he, he hits the metal of the bridge. Just... The thud sound and oh. just how it's shot to just like the the kineticism. This is directed by Justin Lin. I don't think I mentioned the top T- 2011 film Justin Lin, and uh, it's it you feel the impact of that guy hitting it. Like the way it's shot, it it really hits you in the stomach. You go, oh my Ooh. god, oh man. Yeah, yeah. Like I literally went, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, physically. Like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, like Paul Walker, like the tr- somehow the truck has like collapsed or crashed into and is hanging off on the side of the train. They're yeah. coming up to like this huge cliff. Paul Walker's hanging off of the truck. Uh, Vin Diesel's in one of the cars trying to catch him. I think <laughs> it's like a the bridge. I think it's like a cool fucking Corvette. Yeah. These are all like incredibly expensive, super high-end turbocharged vehicles that yeah. are for, for collectors and shit. Yeah, these are like these these are the cars that car guys drool over. And we forgot to mention that like Dom had not shown up in the movie. They showed up there, and only Vince was there. And they get on the train, and Vin Diesel just happens to be waiting for them on the train magically somehow. And I don't really know how that ended up happening. Anyway, yeah, because he wouldn't have. <laughs> been able to get in he hadn't got in touch with vince so did he somehow know get in touch with the thugs it's never Uh. really explained (laughs) he just happened to know and got on because like he doesn't even approve of the deal and for reasons he realizes that this is a stupid thing to do and that's why they're all suspicious so yeah yeah, i I don't know for reasons it's just also like uh, (laughs) hans back yeah. <laughs> Nothing ever happened to him, you know? Uh, it is a but, cool entrance, though. Oh, it's, it's rad. He just, you know, because Vin Diesel sort of co-produces these movies. He He's sort of the creative force going forward in this franchise. He's like sort of the linchpin of this series. Yeah, so he catches him in the car, but oh, no, they're going to go off the cliff. And they go off this huge, gigantic cliff. Oh, my God, it's like jumping off the Springfield Gorge. Uh, they do like a Yoshi jump where they jump off of the car. Yeah, they, they jump off the car. We see the car flying down and they keep going. And of course, they're <laughs> surrounded by gunmen. Surrounded by gunmen immediately. Brought to a warehouse and chained up immediately. <laughs> we meet our boss here, Reyes. He's a crime boss. Yeah, he's he seems to be like a super powerful crime boss, drug lord. He has most of the police in his pocket, like practically the entire police department. Like literally he stores his money at the police department. Yeah, I, I think 
when he says like, "Hey, bring all the corrupt police people to the station," I think he actually means all the cops except for one. I mean, it seems to be most of them. It's a huge amount of cops that are out in this final sequence, and uh, this is interesting for being just a cops are the villain movie. Uh, as mentioned earlier, something that like they had to go to Brazil to do at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, like the the big uh, black like Black Lives Matter hadn't. Uh, I don't know if it had started yet, but it hadn't like hit the mainstream yet. It, that it hadn't happened become... until 2013. Yeah, it hadn't quite really hit as the movement. And uh, this, I, you know, it, it feels like they're, they're, they're sort of uh, accepting that police are sort of necessarily the villains in this series because this has always been a series about people who are sort of a criminal gang. But it's about the the family, which sort of, you know, that's sort of the mafia concept to begin with. Yeah. But but also just that uh, they're they're always going to have to be fighting police because all of their characters have gone to jail now. And these are the main characters you're going to have for the rest of the series. So it's like, eh, well, how do we start to get to get into that? And like, well, let's go to another country where uh, American audiences will not be upset to see the police depicted as extremely corrupt. And this movie debuted, like premiered in Rio where oh. I think it was pretty successful. So I, I don't think they were too hurt either. <laughs> about the idea. I imagine they're like, <laughs> yeah, our cops suck. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like, again, this movie in 2021, uh, no problem being in America. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Set it in downtown Miami, like fast too, too fast, <laughs> too, too fast, too fast, not fear. Oh, shoot. Five asked, five furious, five furious, furious, five. So the crime boss is like, he's not that interesting, but he doesn't have to be. He just has to be an evil guy. He he's there so that they have a reason to go after this money. Yeah, there, there's really very little that he does. He is threatening, and it's mostly just he has a huge amount of power. So we're not really watching him. We're just watching all of the underlings he can command. There aren't really, there, there's really no central bad guy. It's just more, we have to fight this huge police force. Yeah, basically. And also The Rock. And time. The Rock. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to him pretty soon, I think. But they, they escaped from this warehouse so quickly that, that like, I looked down to to write down what was going on. And then I looked up and they were gone from the warehouse. I actually rewound it and watched it a few times. And they do, in fact, cut out in the middle of them escaping from the warehouse. Once, once it's clear, it's like, okay, you know they're going to get out of here. You know one guy broke the chains. You know it's just a matter of time. Let's just cut to them in the hideout again. Yeah, again, no wasted time. It's like, we've seen this shit before. We know what we're doing here. Come on, let, let's get to all the characters we want to introduce. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got all this new stuff to show you. We don't need to show you people escaping a warehouse again. No. They find out from the news reports that uh, that the thugs killed the 3DA agents on the train, and they're blaming the Vin Diesel crew. So now Paul Walker's like, they're going to send the best guy they have after us. <laughs> they want to make it clear that their federal agents are off limits. So they're going to come after us no matter what. They're going to send The Rock. Uh, all of the all of the dialogue hyping up 
the appearance of Hobbs feels like it was written by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, if Dwayne had the Rock Johnson had written it, I think it would have been more interesting. I don't know. <laughs> He's this feels like really right at the the starting point of the megastardom of The Rock, where he sort of becomes vaguely insufferable. Like he starts to become yeah. more and more difficult, and it becomes more and more clear that this character is him. Yeah. <laughs> See, I liked The Rock most in when he was wrestling in the ring in the right. WWE. He was he was fun. He was charismatic. He was pretty funny. None of that is here. I enjoy him a lot in this. Some some of it is funny. I think he has a few really good lines or uh, just some some segments that are pretty fun. I really like the uh, good news or bad news. You know, I like my dessert first. <laughs> All right, give me the funny. veggies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, give me the veggies. He's got a few. Uh, and he's just inherently comical to me every time he comes onto the screen because he's so <laughs> dripping wet. He's just yeah. <laughs> misted with sweat and it's glinting off him at all times. And no one else is like you have a shot of him <laughs> and Vin Diesel. And the two of them have been brawling and only the rock is just <laughs> fucking wet. And Vin Diesel is just like, he is just being himself. It's just, uh, it's, it's incredible. He's an action figure man. Yeah. Um, totally. If, if he had brought his like wrestling persona or like, any of his charisma into this role, I don't think it would have worked. The insufferable asshole rock is the exact kind of antagonist this movie needs. Yeah. He's just a big old jerk. Uh, (laughs) And he's like roadblock. I watched this movie. He's like, Oh yeah, he should be roadblock. And then he was roadblock in the GI Joe movie. Like when they rebooted (laughs) that and everyone's like, Oh yeah, that's a better one than that first one. Uh, I, around this time, I sort of think like, man, I wonder what other franchises that really fucking sucked in the first one or that like were not working as action franchises. What can you just add the rock and fix it? Because <laughs> <laughs> this was the first uh, Fast and Furious movie that I really enjoyed back at the time. And then I saw both of the fucking G.I. Joe movies in theater and I hated the shit out of the first one. The second one, it's not good, but it was better. It was more entertaining. The Rock was a good addition. But this feels like a G.I. Joe movie. This feels like a cartoon movie, a comic book movie, a superhero movie. Yeah, like if they were making a Saturday morning cartoon of The Fugitive, the Tommy Lee Jones character would look like this guy. Well, Tommy Lee Jones was written to be the Rock character. Like the, the this character was developed as the Rock or, or as uh, for Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, no kidding. They were like they were going to bring him into this as they wanted as him as Hobbs. Yeah. But uh, he, I guess, didn't want to do it or they, uh, you know, uh, changed somewhere along the lines. But uh, I, I think, been, yeah, that would have been, been interesting. Real, yeah. It, it works, though, with The Rock as like just this big meat mountain version of Tommy Lee Jones who's just yeah. dripping with sweat and toxic masculinity. He's so angry, and he is more of a serial killer than anyone else in this movie. He is, he kills people straight up a lot. Oh, he, uh, where, he executes people. Yeah, a bunch of people where I don't think our main guys ever do, which is 
interesting. Like they they kind of you know people are killed in car wrecks. <laughs> yeah, I mean I assume they, they, we just we just won't talk about those. But they're not shooting people in the head, whereas no. uh, the Rock absolutely is, and he is the police side. Uh, which I, I think, again, is part of the interesting concept of this movie, that it is very anti-authoritarian and it is very siding with uh, not the law. <laughs> it's siding yeah. against the law, which is uh, compelling for a mega franchise. Yeah, and it gives it also gives us a formidable and believable recurring villain to keep coming back. Yes, yeah. there's I, police. I, yeah, there's police <laughs> and there's this guy. He's always going to be a threat to them because he's like just this giant meat mountain, but he's never going to be smart enough to outsmart them. Well, it depends on which ones of them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> um, he He's not smart, though. No, like, no. <laughs> he, he can't catch Paul Walker. Uh, Paul Walker, I don't know. Paul Walker's character is a little dim in these movies. <laughs> like, he... I, Vin Diesel is sort of the brains of the bunch, and he's still Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, most of their underlings are pretty clever, but, like, they're just sort of the underlings who are specialists in certain things. Mm-hmm. I do feel like Han is our most clever guy, the most dangerous of the bunch. Probably. Oh, you know what? Uh, or I'd Gal Gadot. Girl, yeah, I think she's yeah. more dangerous. Yeah, well, she is from Mossad, so that's right, pretty fair. Right. So the Rock's talking to the local cop. He's like, uh, "Yeah, so we need all these people. We we have to get make sure they never get into cars. We're dealing with this, this, and that. They'll go down hard, and blah blah blah. And I need two things from the local police office officers. One, I need a translator. I need this one particular person in particular. Oh, really? Why her? You could find somebody more corrupt. I mean, experienced, if you like. Well, they they want to uh, install they someone to, to watch him. Yeah, they want and to, he, like... I think he's fully eat. aware of that. That's why yeah. he's chosen someone who is off the beat. And he's, yeah. like, he's like, well, why do you want her? I like her smile. I like her smile. <laughs> yeah. I like her smile. <laughs> You've got it, Mr. Horrible Gelatinous Blob. <laughs> okay, giant meat man. H.G. <laughs> Blob. Uh, from Futurama. Oh yeah, <laughs> the blob monster. And what's the second thing you need from the local cops? Stay the fuck out of my way. Obviously, because uh, he's got his own little team too. He's got yeah. uh, all of these little uh, super mercenary mini bosses who I don't think have names. They definitely they all do die. Not have names, yes. Every one of them dies all at uh, once, all in one firefight. It's very yeah. amusing, quite honestly. Uh, he's got his uh, big dick truck tank. Yeah. Uh, well, they all have their big dick trucks and guns and, you know, guns. They're I, they're a modern American police force. It reminded me of something I watched recently where someone was driving a truck through a bunch of, like, favelas and stuff. Just, like, plowing through a building after building uh, in, I don't know if it was Rio, but it might have been Rio. I remember us talking about it. I don't think it was one we watched, but I think it's one I watched. Okay. I don't know. Hmm. So back at the hideout, uh, Vince is late showing up. And since he's the one who orchestrated the deal, Paul Walker's getting real suspicious about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and for good reason, because he does seem to be pretty sketchy and he's sold them out before. And yeah. it kind of seems like maybe he was in the wrong here, too. I think he it's hard to say. We don't really get a clear picture of what Vince's actual role is, because here he says that, like, hey, man, I thought it was about the car. And then, like, in the same conversation, he's like, but I just got to get this chip to them. Does right. he know it's the car or does he know it's the chip? How into this is he? We don't really find out. Yeah, I always felt that he kind of was like he he had he knew what they wanted and they had contacted him and he was like the broker of the deal. And he just didn't really know how far they would go. He, he was sort of not totally aware of uh, how corrupt they were and how bad of a shit he was getting everyone else into. Maybe charitably, that would be the best reading of it. But clearly he is selling them out and he was in the wrong and he was working against them, just not intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. And they kick him out, right? They kick him out of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. It's like, get out. What? You're going to just. Yeah, dude. You're out of the family. (laughs) My sister was on that train. My sister. Family. Uh, Family. You know, it it comes up quite a bit. So, yeah, he's out. And this is kind of the second time he's out. They're always at each other's throats in the first (laughs) one. So it kind of seems like his appropriate place. And like, okay, we got to put together a team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, when he he does get back into the family, spoiler alert, he does get back in. He he stays there for the rest of his life. Yep. (laughs) This is a true statement. I don't know, unless he comes back in future movies, which is not out of the question. <laughs> uh, didn't, like, oh my god, they made a spin-off of Hobbs. Hobbs and Shaw, which is another character that shows up in a later one, played by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Statham, uh, isn't it? Jason, Jason Statham. Statham, yeah. The Meg's <sighs> Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I like The Rock, I like Hobbs in these movies, but... He can't. This character can't carry his own film. No, well, I don't even know how it's going to be in the subsequent movies. At this point, they didn't have like the can't be punched clause, so you oh, you yeah. can actually still have fights where people get punched, and you know there, there's actually, I I mean it 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 is a point where they have to fight to a standstill. Yeah. They're like you know the juggernaut versus the blob. You know they they can only fight to a standstill to inertia. You can't have one win. Uh-huh. Although it does seem very clear that uh, Vin Diesel could have won in their well, big role. He he does. He, he does win and chooses not to. Yeah, he that, chooses that seems not to. be kind to. of his thing. Yeah, I, I prefer not to. Uh, I, I love a Vin Diesel Bartleby. It's just uh, Bartleby the Scrivener, the classic Melville tale. <laughs> oh, I don't know it. <laughs> uh, long story short, he he's uh, he works as a scrivener. You know, writes down shit in an office. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, uh, Herman Melville, the guy who wrote Moby Dick, so it's pretty right. Uh, yeah. And more and more, as the boss comes to him asking him to do things, or pretty much anything he asks him to do, is like, I prefer not to. <laughs> he's like, you mean you won't? Like, well, I prefer not to. And he, he just everything that's as he says, I prefer not to. He'll never he, he never says no. 
<laughs> and he just never does anything. Ultimately, he's fired, but then he won't leave the building. <laughs> he just starts living there. And it's, oh, we want you to leave. And it's like, I prefer not to. <laughs> uh, yeah, very fascinating book. I've, I do ha- I've seen a couple different movie adaptations of it. Uh, I have one of them on disc, a British one from the 70s. There's a really great one with Crispin Glover as Bartleby that I wish someone would release. Cool. Anyway, I feel, yeah, it's, that's, that's the dumb way to do things. You know, I prefer not to, (laughs) it just doesn't want to do anything that anyone else wants to do. Well, he didn't want to do the train robber and he calls out Paul Walker on it. He's like, dude, this was a fucking stupid idea. I mean, they just got done breaking him out of jail. They want to go right back in. Yeah, it's it's pretty stupid. I really like the dynamic between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. I think it's one of the really great things in this series. It's mm. sort of the only salvaging in the first movie, because I don't think the first movie works all that well. But I do think <laughs> the chemistry between the two of them is great. They have a really good rapport. They're fun to to see bounce off each other because they're very different personas, but they work well. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I do feel that these like from this movie, everything about how these guys act when they're together, like you completely even if you're not told, you could tell it's like these guys had like a relationship where they did not see eye to eye and they might have even been enemies. But now they're like bros, but they're still not like they still don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but they're but they're best bros, They're best bros, their family. And yeah. uh, they, they'll always look out for each other, but they're still very different individuals and they're very distinct. And yeah, they're just very Paul Walkery and they're very Vin Diesel-y uh, <laughs> between the two of them. And it's just, a, it's a good dynamic. Uh, I don't know how the series is going to work without Walker because I know he's in six, but I don't think he's in after that because I think it's in between six and seven that he died. Oh. It's gotta be. I- yeah, uh... This is 2013 is when he died. The end of 2013. Oh, wow. And this is 2011. I think 6 came out maybe posthumously? Oh. I'm not sure. Because I, like, again, I did not see any of the other movies. Right, right. Oh, wow. So he's been gone for, like, 10 years. Holy shit. I thought, yeah. I thought he died more recently than that. No, 2013. Late 2013. Yeah, I don't know how these movies would work without him. Like, this one, I feel, wouldn't work without him. Oh, absolutely not. And it's interesting because he sort of is the real main character of the series up to this point. He is certainly in more of it than Vin Diesel. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Vin Diesel's not in two. Uh, I guess Vin Diesel's briefly in three, but very briefly. And both of them are in four. So I guess... Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Walker has a whole extra movie that Vin Diesel's not in. So, yeah, he's definitely in it more. Right. But, yeah, because um, he, he's the villain in the first one vaguely. And he goes oh, to jail right. at the end. Or, right. no, no, he gets away. He comes back from wherever he was hiding out. Or he, he comes back from here because this is where he was hiding out after one. Oh, is it here in Rio? I think, yeah, in Rio with, you know, the in the fortified place with all the gunmen on the steps. Right. I think he was hiding out there after one, and then he goes to Tokyo at the end of three, and then he comes back to America, and I don't remember what happens in four. 
<laughs> but he ends up having to go to jail, so <laughs> they have to bust him out at the beginning of five. Yeah, <laughs> which takes all of 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been building up to it. <laughs> we, we finally meet the Rock's uh, translator girl. Uh, her name is given exactly once. I never wrote it down, so I, I've got it written down in my books as she's Lady Serpico. It's Neves. Okay. Neves Elena. Right, and she's the the one cop. Her husband was a cop who got gunned down in the uh, the favelas, which I guess that's the slums. Basically, yeah. Yeah, like right outside the door, and she decides to be a cop right after that. That the Rock's like, okay, well you're obviously committed, and you're the only cop who can't be bought. Am I right? <laughs> well, I mean, she can't be bought anyways, and she is. Uh, she is the only one who could potentially match his sweaty intensity. It's like, oh, you're doing this because of a dead husband. All right. That's something that can match my level of total insanity. Uh, <laughs> so just, much testosterone, it just leaks out of my face. Oh, I just can't ever be stopped. Look like a fucking fire plug. A giant <laughs> muscular thumb. In uh, <laughs> <and> under armor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is also where we get the scene where it's like, I got good news and bad news. I like dessert first. You know I like my dessert first. <laughs> I can't even remember what the good and bad news is, but like, oh, it's about oh, yeah, cracking no. the cars. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They're, they're having some success, but not enough. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, well, I know all this stuff about the stuff. If you go here, you'll be able to pick up the trail again. Oh, I picked the right cop for this. She came prepared. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> it it uh, is fun. Just the way he delivers everything is always <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like a big angry dog energy. Every yeah, it's like every single thing he says is like, okay, you're recording this for the trailer. Yeah, he is uh, speaking in all trailer lines, but he's talking a lot. So it's true. He'll just like quip angrily at people for a while, and then there'll there will be a fist fight. <laughs> so he tracks them to the favelas, and uh, him and his guys are going in, uh, basically guns blazing. Yeah, because they're met with tons of dudes with guns, but they uh, won't be stopped. They they just keep going in. They're they're like. No, commando team. They're they're it's it's like the guys who fought the predator. Basically, yeah. Like that really is the vibe I kind of get from these guys. But then they all fucking go down. Yeah. Uh they don't go down yet though. No. Uh they're they're going after like they found Vin Diesel's warehouse hideout thing whatever. Uh and it just seems at first it just seems like it's just like local you know, local gangs uh keeping them out and the Rock intimidates them away with his superior American weaponry, which means that he's a better civilization. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's Reyes, our crime boss's thugs. They start a firefight for no apparent reason. Well, the, you know, Americans incursioning, uh, incursioning into their territory, I guess. Well, that's yeah, a pretty yeah. good reason, actually. Yeah, so, you know, they they start fighting. Uh, the Rock was fucking gunning people down, just shooting people directly in the face. Oh, yeah, like, breaking, like, bashing their heads into walls, breaking necks. Uh, the Team Diesel is trying to escape. They're, like, running from the rooftops. I should note that we watched the extended version, which is like only like a minute and a half longer, but it 
has all of the blood when the rock kills people and it has the neck crack when he he snaps that guy's neck whereas the theatrical version digitally removes it and uh, doesn't have the sound effect so there's not as much of the blood. rock you can't have the rock as a murderer i mean he's still killing them it's just not as bloody yeah <laughs> But he's but don't you know, show tits. No, no, they they never have any of that. Actually, yeah, no, this isn't that kind of movie. I'm more talking no. about like no, how you sex can't. Is bad, but violence is good. Absolutely, but yeah, they they they've it's bloodier, uh, and there's basically no other difference than that. There's like one scene that's slightly extended, like maybe two or three that have like a few more seconds of them planning the heist. It's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, like The Rock and the thugs are tearing up the slums while Vin Diesel and company are escaping. Uh, there's one point where a thug is about to is about to hit. Oh, fuck, what's her name? I'm sorry. Lady Elena. Pop. Elena. 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 Before the end of the show, I will have learned her name. I'm sure of it. So she so, uh, but uh, Vin Diesel saves her. She he, Yes, he saves her. He pops in. So she knows that he's not a bad guy. So she's. He's gotten in on the Rock's crew now. Uh, she knows that he's not the evil hard case that they've painted him to be. Yep. There's this really awesome scene where Vin Diesel's on a rooftop and the Rock is in the building and he jumps off the roof and the Rock crashes through the window immediately oh, yeah. behind him. <laughs> so cool. They get away, of course. Yeah, good good chase scenes, good action sequences. They all are really high adrenaline. They're all super well shot. Justin Lin uh, is the right person for this series. Like, I didn't love Tokyo Drift, but it's probably my second favorite up to this point. Okay, um, it is a popular one, I know. Yeah, well, I it's honestly, it a lot. it's kind of the least popular, is my understanding. It's it's oh. one the most people, uh, or certainly up until this point, like who. At the time, it was the least successful. It was not well-liked because, you know, you lost all of the existing characters. It had no connection to the franchise. Oh, then, okay. now it does. Right. I think oh. people like it more now. Maybe that's why people, maybe that's why I heard so much about it, because people don't like it and people are very vocal about things they don't like. Could be. I mean, maybe it's been one that is sort of going through its uh, reclamation with fans. Hmm. So... Also an interesting contrast of how the two male, the two male, not the leads, but the two leaders of Vin Diesel and The Rock, both how they treat Elena. He's really careful with her when he's saving her and like, you know, making sure she's okay. Later on, she's standing over all the bodies of all the people who The Rock and the thugs have killed and like <laughs> clearly traumatizes Rock like, hey, you good? Yeah. Well, yeah, Vin Diesel's a sensitive monster. <laughs> yeah. He's, well, uh, he's like classical Frankenstein's monster, the the one who talks and has uh, philosophical discussions with his blind friend versus oh, yeah. The Rock is like the Universal Studios one. who's <laughs> just <laughs> a, a walking pile of meat sewn together. <laughs> Man, he's a fucking Hulk and he'll destroy you. He'll throw a child into a river like that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so they they escape through the sewer is uh, where Team Dom escapes from. And they're in this canal where they're having a discussion about how they've got to split up again. And Mia, the sister, is against it. She's like, no, we can't split up. We always split up and bad shit always happens. By the way, I'm pregnant. Right. 
So I, he, she only tells Vin Diesel. She doesn't tell Paul Walker yet, right? No, she kind of, she kind of tells both of them here. Does she? Because I thought, I, I thought she he didn't told somebody earlier that I missed it. I thought he didn't learn it until later. Because, isn't it uh, with the race? Remember how he? It's like, oh, this was a gift because you knew about this. No, I think um, no, that because telling because here's where they where Vin Diesel's like, oh, the family just got a lot bigger, and they all do a group hug before deciding not to split up. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess uh, the so. other team members don't fight out until after the police car race. Right, yeah, I guess then right, and then that's why they start teasing him about it because yeah. that's when they find out. Right. Yeah. Uh, we see The Rock has the brilliant idea of uh, being like, all right, you guys, put this car back together and find out what's missing from it, and that way we'll know why they wanted the car. Without thinking that maybe it's just a piece of paper in the glove box or something? Well, I would tend to assume that it's something that they removed, like drugs or something that was just not a physical part of the car. It's yeah. it's a weird like, thing to believe that it's actually a part of the car, and it technically isn't it's you know it's a microchip so it sort of is but yeah it is and isn't it's kind of dumb uh it, it's it's a stretch you know ultimately it works out for him even though and and it he doesn't it doesn't it makes sense when he finally solves it and he doesn't i told you so where he's a real dick about it to his underling who will die in the next scene yeah 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 he i told you so is the guy who's like come on man nobody could have figured this out well, I guess he figures it out, which doesn't really make sense, but it's like uh, a waiting chip or whatever, or insert chip or something uh, when he starts it up and it's on the menu screen. But yeah. it's like, how do you know that there was a chip in it before? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know. There's... It's it's a stretch, but he needs to be right for the, the movie to move forward, <laughs> which is kind of how I, I feel, or at least that's my understanding of how it is dealing with The Rock, is like, well, The Rock needs to be right so we can move forward with this movie. <laughs> oh, that's probably true. He's like a Republican now, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. I, I've heard, I, it might not be him, but I've heard he's not that great of a dude, The Rock. I mean, I've heard he's uh, absurdly intense. He seems like a ridiculously intense man. He's someone who is uh, always on the grind. Everything is a promotion. It's mm -hmm. like he's always on a campaign. Like, he's running for governor 100% of the time, even though he's just a big, <laughs> muscly dude who's in movies, who's super <laughs> rich and can just continue to be in movies as long as he wants because he's a big action star. But he just kind of always has to really hustle all of it, and it's starting to wear people out. And I think that's why Black Adam went down in flames. Oh, yeah. Oh, that movie was not liked. And he's been ousted from working with DC. They're like, we're no longer, we're, we're not on the rock train anymore. Oh, uh, we're, we're not going to continue to do any more of these. Uh, we're going to take a shift in direction. <laughs> yeah. We're moving forward with another candidate. Yeah, exactly. At this point, uh, Elena's reading the file on uh, Team Dom. Team Dom. <laughs> it's funnier in my head. And she's like, hey, you know, I don't think these guys are actually evil. Uh, and they probably didn't do the murders we're here for. 
And The Rock just takes the file out of her hand and throws it on the floor. Is like, I don't give a shit. I have a job to do. Yeah, I'm just a bounty hunter. I don't care about people or anything. I'm a big evil mountain. <laughs> There's a name on my list, and then I kill them, and then I get to cross the name off my list, and that's all I do. He's like a golem. It, it's like, you know, someone chiseled him out of rock, and they put, like, <laughs> Gimel on his forehead, and he's just sent out to get them, and he will not stop until he does. Yeah. <laughs> so we have... What the Rock the... would be a really golem, a really good golem, if they did, like, a good modern golem horror oh. movie. He'd be great for that, especially if he didn't talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, he could just that roar. Would that work. would be fine. That would work. That would work yeah. really well. Because he does look like he was chiseled out of a fucking mountain. He does. Like, you see Vin Diesel in this movie, who's pretty fucking jacked in this. Yeah. And he is tiny next to The Rock. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Vin Diesel's a really big guy, like in he's terms not. of height, but yeah, yeah. He, he's he, he's like certainly a, a bodybuilder. You know, he mm. he works out for sure. Well, it's like I'm used to seeing The Rock in WWE, where he's next to w, other WWE stars who are also giants. Right. So seeing him next to normal people, <laughs> he really drives home how much of a giant freaking meat mountain he is he's a monster he looks like a golem <laughs> and that is kind of the the role he's playing in this movie essentially yeah, basically like, the the u.s government wrote the thing on his forehead and now he has to kill this group of people in a foreign nation <laughs> and anyone who's in between him and them yeah uh, yeah definitely don't get in between them diplomatic incidents he doesn't care about those that's not in it that's out of his jurisdiction he's it's it's like taken it's like <laughs> oh my god it is you know someone is just gonna uh, there's all these bodies in the morgue from this uh american police uh rogue who just happens to be in town it, it seems crazy what I have are a special set of skills skills that make things a nightmare for people like you skills that that will turn him sideways, shine him up real nice, and straight, <laughs> stick him straight up your candy ass. And then, like, there's, like, a sound of shattering glass, and fucking <laughs> Vin Diesel comes through and gives him a stone-cold stunner. By God, it's Vin Diesel! <laughs> oh, the humanity! It's Dominic Toretta. <laughs> I mean, I'd say Brian O'Connor, but I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. There's no one else I can buy as uh, lasting in any sort of fist fight with The Rock, and Vin Diesel really only manages it through attitude. It does yep. feel like he has that inertia. It, it it is a juggernaut versus blob sort of scenario, and it's not like Vin Diesel is blob like. It's just that he does have an immovable object feeling to him because of how minimal he plays everything. Mm. Mm. Yeah, whereas The Rock is just like, <laughs> <laughs> any second, if you poke him, he will explode. <laughs> Captain Too Much. Or, you remember on, I think it was an Animaniacs uh, recurring sketch, Katie Kaboom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hormonal teenager is just, you know, it, when she'd get worked up enough, she would explode. Yeah. <laughs> we, we get a tender scene of uh, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel talking about their dads and Dom's dad was really cool. Uh, yeah. Paul Walker doesn't remember his dad at all. And he's like, hey, man, I got to get 
I don't want to be like that for my kids. So yeah. we got to get out of this game and we got to get out now. Diesel's like, okay, well, we'll get out of this game. But first, one last job. One last job. You got to do it. One We're going to put job. a team together. We're uh, going to put a team together. So fucking good. Uh, yeah. Like, I never really knew my dad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't remember anything about him. Right. Cause, cause, guess because he was just never there. Uh, but yeah, Dom, his dad adopted Vince, I think, right? That's, oh, okay. Wasn't that what it was? I think that's part of that I, conversation. Vince was adopted by him and he was just like a real brother. And Oh, right. Yeah, I think it was something like that. I believe that's where that's mentioned and sort of that, that backstory is discussed. And that, you know, his dad always, you know, you, you'd always uh, get some free barbecue, but only if you showed up to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't go to church. You didn't get barbecue. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we got to put the team together. So let's get people from all of the previous movies. We're going to need a chameleon, someone who could blend in. Han. <laughs> I think it's uh, Han. Is Han the chameleon? I think he's... He's the one that they're showing when they talk about the chameleon, but uh, yeah. he doesn't do that here. Well, there's no one who is. I know. We need a fast talker who. Oh yeah, that's one, Tyrese. He doesn't. He doesn't fast talk good. Well, <laughs> he no, sort he, of does. It works he, out. It works out. He gets the job done. So yeah, uh, I, Tyrese and Luda, uh, Roman and Tej, they were both major characters in part two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we need a circuit guy who I guess is ludicrous. Right. Someone to punch through walls, which I believe is the two uh, Spanish people. Right. Uh, who I don't know if they were. I, I think those guys are introduced in this one. Oh, are they? OK, OK. I think those guys are new. All right. <laughs> I couldn't tell who was new and who wasn't. I assumed none of them were new. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it could be. But yeah, I think like, those two guys are new because it's yeah we're we're in Rio, so we're gonna have a couple uh, uh, more South American guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we need utilities and weapons. Who's uh, Gal Gadot? I think Gal Gadot. Uh, yeah, okay. and she's she's also new here. She wasn't in the previous entries in oh. the series. Okay. Uh, and it's like two precision drivers, and Paul Walker's like, yeah, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. I love his, like, again, just the energy with the two of them. They're, it, it's such a different blend. I, I do love to see the two of them interacting with Honestly, Vin Diesel's, yeah. his super low energy, but he, you know, everything's about family and he, it's like he's indulging a little brother. Paul Walker does feel like the hyperactive little brother who's like, come on, beat me in a race. I'll, let me race you, man. Uh, let me do a job. I want to do a job for you. Can I race you, Dom? I want to race you, Dom. He uh, he really wants to do that that one more race. And then when he finally <laughs> beats him, he can't fully, like, any potential doubt will always be there. And it's like, did you let me win? Oh, I can never And he always has that insecurity, the little brother insecurity. Whereas Diesel's always just with a big grin, like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I am Groot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he's Groot. He is Groot. I forgot about that. I think he wrote a book called I Am Groot. Should read it one day. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be what I expect it to be. I have no idea. <laughs> so, I guess they just have this warehouse. 
<laughs> sure, why not? Actually, there's going to be a lot of stuff where they just sort of have this thing that they found, and it's like, where did you get that? I had a life before you met me. It's kind of a recurring thing that goes on. Right. Well, I think, as I said, I think this is where Dom was hiding out after part one, like in between one and four. Okay. So I, I think that's why he probably has some hideout stuff here already, and that's probably why he knew those dudes. Oh, okay. The, the two Hispanic dudes who he, yeah. he gets as, like, his safe crackers and stuff. Right. Okay, yeah, well, it's also just, uh, also, they need a headquarters. Of the course. The movie needs them to have a headquarters, because they kind of set up this mock racetrack to simulate the parking lot. Yeah, you gotta do, on. you gotta run all the tests, you gotta run all the simulations, you're ultimately gonna need to get the safe to practice on. It's a lot like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> i never seen an Ocean's movie. Oh, they're fun. They're really good. I mean, oh. I, I have not seen all of them. I've, I think I've only seen Oceans 11 and 12. I don't think I saw 13. Maybe okay. I did. But Oceans 11 and 12 are both great. They're cool. really good time. Right on. Uh, so everybody meets up at the warehouse. Um, some of them are meeting each other for the first time. We kind of get an idea how everyone knows everyone, but not really. Yeah, I mean, you, we you get might enough know of if an idea. Yeah, if you've seen the previous films, you've probably got an idea. And if you don't, you, you get a vague idea and it doesn't really matter. You, you just, yeah. okay, now we have our team. It's it's like any time in a heist movie you put together a team, they don't necessarily have a backstory to them. Yeah, no. And, and of course, you have the one thing where, the guy, where it's like, our target's name is this. He's the most powerful, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. oh, man, we robbing from this guy? I'm out. <laughs> Well, the prize money is this much. Oh, I'm actually in. Oh, I'm back in. Why didn't you lead with that? I think that was Tyrese. That was, was Tyrese, like in yeah. and then out. Roman. You know, rather. I was just overthinking. I was overthinking, man. Yeah. So everybody's in. They're going to knock over uh, the main drug dealer in Rio, which does seem like a pretty dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Well, this is the guy who had the thugs that killed that tried to kill them a bunch of times already yeah uh but they the microchip they found in the car actually is like his entire the drug dealer's entire business all the comings and goings and where he has all his cash houses so that he doesn't leave a paper trail and also delivery times so they know oh, when yes. there's going to be trucks going there so they're like okay uh we want to hit them but we don't want to just hit one of them. We're going to rob all of them at the same time. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can't do, you can't do that because if once you hit one of them, he's going to tighten up all the defenses on all the other ones. And it's like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And they we, we get that first one. They hit the first house and burn yep. the shit. They burn the money. They, uh, and they say to the one poor guy, it's like, you tell your boss exactly who did it. And of course he has to say, you don't know who you're stealing from. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get all the lines out. This movie is a, a complete list of every cliche in a heist movie. They do them all perfectly. Every time you <laughs> see one, you're like, yeah, woo. Yeah. Right. Yes, did totally. It. Like, uh, like when the guy's like, Oh no, I'm out a hundred million dollars. Oh, I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do every single one. Yeah, uh, they, they'll they have later on the, all right, this is your last chance. If anybody wants to leave, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> His family. 
they do uh, uh this job just got a lot more complicated oh of course it, it's absolutely each one of them it's <laughs> so good though because the execution is flawless oh yeah it, it knows what it's doing it's like this movie, the the previous movies were Grand Theft Auto. This movie is what's that other one where it goes? It's it's Grand Theft Auto, but totally off the rails. Saints Row, probably. Saints Row. This is them going Saints Row. We know what we're doing. Everybody knows what we're doing. Let's just have as much fun with it as we can. We're we're gonna send cars into space in a couple of movies. Why not? <laughs> well, it's funny because Saints Row Three, like the bad guy has comic book villain army technology which is kind of like what the rock uses here yeah and i think increasingly in those movies you got really comic book technology does the rock stay i guess you haven't seen past this one have you i believe he does appear in subsequent ones but then of course obviously he eventually has the spin-off with another characters introduced later so i assume he's in whatever one shaw is introduced in yeah i i or no, I, I mean, I knew he was going to be in him. I was more asking, like, does he stay like the same Elmer Fudd, Wiley Coyote role? I have a feeling that ultimately he ends up being on the side of them as family, because mm. it, over time, any character who continues to show up in the series, I, I feel <laughs> like they get you know rolled into the uh, ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say once you've had a Toretto. Uh, you stop being a cop, I guess. It doesn't rhyme, but it seems to be what happens. Yeah. You're part of the Katamari. <laughs> yes. So the Rock finds out that it's a chip missing from the car, and he hears about the robbery, and it's like, whatever was in that chip led them right exactly to that place, so let's, I don't know, do whatever. I can't remember. Let's, oh yeah, because the girl is like, oh yeah, it's definitely then because no one else is dumb enough to rob Reyes. Right. <laughs> oh, I totally called this next scene. We have the the guy from the cash house in the crime lord's office, and I'm like, oh man, I bet he's failed for the last time. Yeah, of course. We, we have our, our sad sack who's who's got to go make right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so they didn't take any of the money. They burned it, and he's like... And he, his hand is just going over all these different heavy objects on his desk. Come <laughs> yeah. on, which one is he going to, you failed me for the last time him with? Yeah. He just picks up a sculpture and bashes his skull with that. Right. I, I like that he has a whole assemblage of them. Like, these are his things for bashing guys with. It, yeah. It's really obvious as he, like, runs his hands along and is like, which one do I want to use this time? What am I feeling today? The kind of U-shaped thing, I think. Yeah. Clobber's the guy. So this is just to get his attention, and then he consolidates all of his money in the one main place, and they follow the trucks to find out where they're going to put, where the main stash is, and oh no. Oh, guys, you ain't going to believe this. (laughs) It is the the... police headquarters. (laughs) This job just got a lot more complicated. Woo! Yeah, so they're, they're... it's this huge fucking crazy vault that's under police headquarters. And it's like in a sub-basement, you have to get to it through like a, you, you got to go in through the police garage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they do all this prep work just to find out what the vault is. 
because uh, they have to get to make a bottle of vault to crack it, of course. You got to send uh, Roman in. Yeah, you, you send use Roman that, in. that mouth. <laughs> uh, that sounds gross. <laughs> uh, you got to send Roman in to use that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, he's like trying, trying to be, I think, like a a cop from the American Embassy. He's posing as Brian O'Connor. Yes, he like he's using that Brian. name and his badge. It's yeah. like, yo, um, this is it says your... this guy's supposed to be white. <laughs> no, no, man, I just got a tan here. See, look, yeah, I no, just got to put this. this I just got to put this box in the evidence room, and everything will be fine. Okay, and then no, 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 no that's not what he wants. He wants he he's very angrily demanding that he gets to check out the facility right. and make sure that it's all good and then it'll be safe for him to leave the box there and he'd like to personally escort the box and he's really particular about it so ultimately she's like no we don't do any of that that's that's stupid no forget it and this doesn't look like you and he ultimately backs down because yeah. he just wants them to take the box yes but he wants to make enough of a show that they're not going to be too suspicious and look into the box which is interesting because after this show, I'd be looking into that box right away. Maybe. But they don't. And they take the box into the evidence room with the vault. And what's in the box but a remote control car? With yeah, the so they can, they can go scope out the place. And they find out that it's this incredibly, you know, it's, it's the toughest vault in the world to crack, obviously. you got the toughest vault in the world to crack in the toughest place to get into. That's owned by the most powerful man in the country. Yeah, you, you really got to layer it and layer it and layer it. That's, yeah. we're, we're in the fifth movie by now. We, we really got to keep amping things up. So it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, we're going to need a whole duplicate vault to practice on. Yeah, uh, this vault. And not is just. Like, no, <laughs> no. This vault, they mention how like impossible it is to crack. They need a handprint. What they don't mention, but is apparently true, is that the vault also defies Newton's laws of friction. It's awesome. <laughs> this <laughs> a, vault is amazing. This vault is a super weapon. Uh, <laughs> the vault might be the main character of the movie. I mean, it has a really amazing sequence. It it, it really rules that one sequence of the movie. And it has a lot of character. the MacGuffin. I mean, it acts about as well as The Rock. It's got a similar <laughs> sort of heft. It's like blowing it's through walls in, in a similar sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is on screen to destroy things yeah it's like a sunny chiba character oh yeah <laughs> so trying to figure out how still trying to figure out all the security stuff they have the two spanish guys blow up the bathroom and then <laughs> they uh, really blow up the bathroom it. yeah it's gross uh, there's a guy on the toilet and he gets uh, he, oh. Ooh, what's the <laughs> word? There's a word for it when like the water comes up and touches your butt. Oh uh, well, like, the Poseidon's this kiss. This is that's more, it. this is more like he gets. It, it's more like an enema. He he gets flushed out with sewer water. Uh, it it looks very unpleasant. Still nicer than the worst toilet in Scotland, mind you. Sure, yeah, it doesn't look as bad as that. Even when they go in there, it, it looks really stinky. But you know they <laughs> they cut a hole in the wall and they. They tap into the system, to the cameras. Yeah, yeah to find out that uh, they have this – to steal the money. So their plan at this point is to get into the vault, feed the money through the vent in the bathroom to the cars in the parking lot, and then get out without any, anybody noticing. But the security cameras just don't have enough of a window. 
Right. There, there's like a 10 second circuit and they have like a window of time to get the cars around them. But to get it past all of the cameras in just the right time is impossible, even with like their most perfect driving. They can almost do it, but not quite. Yeah, and then we have ultimately a- it's like, OK, we got to come up with a different plan than that. Yeah. Yeah. We have a whole montage of them like. Well, first they have to get the car that they think they're going to use for it, which is that. Right, uh, that's baby the fake out car. street race. Yeah, the, the street race that wasn't. They go uh, out to do the classic street race and they're like, all right, we're going to do car for car. And then he just comes back with the car and like, yeah, obviously we yeah. won. Come on. We don't need to see a street race. We're, we're planning a heist. Come on. <laughs> we, we're past that level. We have over leveled the street races. Yeah, come on. Uh, and and they, they do all of their different drills. Han is the closest to beating it. But they mm-hmm. can't quite do it. I, I think yeah. also uh, Gal Gadot is really close. She gets, She's really good. She, yeah, she gets really close, uh, but nobody can ma- manage it. And they have like this whole montage of them trying. Well, not uh, only a mon- crashes. Yeah, he, he hits some stuff. Not only a montage of them uh, trying and failing to do that. Them also going and winning other cars and trying different vehicles. He's like, <laughs> well, I guess we need a faster one. And they go and win more cars. And they're like, no, nah, still won't do it. Yeah. So while part of the team is working on that, the other part of the team, uh, Han and uh, Gal Gadot's character are like, well, let's uh, let's get a hand. See if we can figure out how to get a handprint from this guy uh, to open up the vault. Because it needs right. a handprint. So they go down to the beach where he's got like seven bodyguards and Han's like, I don't see any way we can possibly do this. And Gallagher's like, I see one. So she just sexy walks up to them. And of course, being a gross dude, he puts his hand on her ass. And that's how they get the handprint. Uh, it's a pretty easy. You know, they, they get the yep. handprint off him. Uh, and then they're back at the... What is their next big part? Is this when The Rock finally turns up at their fucking thing? The Rock, this is the part where they're like, okay, uh, we need to get The Rock off our case for a bit. So so The Rock has like put out an APB for all of them. Uh, He's figured out who's on the team by now. He's doing all, all, he's he's had scenes where he's doing all this stuff, but it's not that interesting. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, well, they lure him by using the one Vin Diesel car that The Rock like has specifically ID'd. So they lure him to like this big street race gathering thing, and he's like, I'm going to arrest you guys now. And Vin Diesel oh, and right. Paul Walker are like, I don't no, you're feel not. like I'm under arrest. <laughs> yeah. What about you? No, dude, I'm not under arrest at all. And they, they're revealed to just have tons of backup. There's all of these people here, just hundreds of dudes with machine guns. And it's like, this isn't America, brother. And The Rock and his team are forced to back out. Not before having a big sweaty stare down with Vin Diesel, though, for like a good while. And his It looks like they like, should kiss. Yeah. And his buddy's like, dude, seriously, we got to get out of here. This is too much heat right now. Yeah, this isn't worth it. <laughs> I, I, my theory is that The Rock is sweating because he's having to use his thinking muscle and it's overheating him. It's, it's the least developed. Yeah, because he can't just... Because here he can't just shoot everybody. I, I I try to picture like in his brain him trying to do brain push-ups. He's just trying to like <laughs> force it to be more muscular in his head, and that's like the and just sweat is coming off the top of his head because of that. It's so funny because like he gets like these big thick droplets of sweat in his <laughs> so uh, douchebag beard. Oh yeah, his, his beard is just glistening. 
And it's amazing because it just always it cuts to someone else and no one else even <laughs> looks like they're hot. <laughs> even other people who are in like the same hot water that he's in, like his other cop assistants are not like that. They're not sweating. Yeah. <laughs> well, even when he has this brawl shortly, when he shows up at their warehouse and Vin Diesel and The Rock have a fucking all out brawl. The Rock is sweating and Vin Diesel is not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, after kicking out The Rock, it's revealed that Ludacris put a tracking thing on his bug or on his car, on his uh, tank truck, whatever the fuck that thing is. It's a G.I. Joe vehicle. It's, it's a, it is a G.I. Joe vehicle. This is an action figure movie. <laughs> it so is. Oh, my God. It totally is. Uh, yeah. So, so now they know where The Rock is, theoretically. Yeah. And then they decide, like, hey, yo, we can't get these cars around this corner in this window of time unless we have invisible cars. And Vin Diesel's like, Invisible hey, cars. So invisible they steal cars. a bunch of cop cars. Steal a bunch of cop cars. Which was uh, obvious from the beginning. Why weren't they stealing cop cars to begin with? You know. <laughs> they got to infiltrate the police Vin, headquarters. The way Vin Diesel says it, it sounds like this was his plan the whole time. <laughs> well, because they do ultimately use all these uh, cars that they stole and prepped for. It's just all of these drills were purposeless, if so. Yeah. Uh, maybe just to get better practice at driving good. I don't know. Teach everyone how to Tokyo Drift, because that's something they mentioned. They're like, we're not going around these corners tight enough. So Han has to teach them how to Tokyo Drift oh. as he taught Brian. Or I guess he didn't teach Brian how uh, he he taught the main character of Tokyo Drift how, and I don't remember who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, they got four cop cars, but, you know, they gotta race them. Yeah. Gotta. Uh, just for fun. Yeah, it's just for like, fun. they're well, gonna, well, for a bet. For uh, a bet. How much did they bet? Because they're, I think it's a million dollars. It ended up being a million dollars. It's like, I don't want to bet a million dollars. What if we don't win? It's like, if we don't win, we're dead anyway. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, if you put it that way. Uh, and it, it seems like there, there's never a possibility, there's never even the slightest hint that either Roman or uh, Tej is possibly going to even come close to winning the race. Oh, of course not. This isn't their race. It's Dom and Brian. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, Paul Walker wins. Yeah, at last moment, he happens to pull through with an extra NOS boost. Because you got to do, like, it's it's a replay of stuff in the first movie. Uh, where they're doing they they do a couple of these in the first movie this is a thing that they keep doing their uh half mile or whatever it is right right because they do it a couple times in this movie oh yeah well they, they do they do one at the end too like the very end exactly that's what i mean yeah oh gosh tyrese and Ludacris are like hey yo you know he let you win right no he didn't no he didn't did you let me win dom i don't know did i don't I? know what you're talking about yeah. Well, because they also find out then that uh, Mia is pregnant. So they're like, oh, well, that's why he let you win. It's because it was a gift for the baby. It's like, shut up. That's not true. You didn't let me win, did you? Did you, fit? Did you big bro? Did you? <laughs> yeah, and they have a big toast to the family. They have the barbecue. Yeah, the night, barbecue right before the, the night before the job. Yeah. But he apparently can't cook. It's this whole thing. Oh, yeah, he he's a really terrible cook, apparently. Uh, they're the the one of the Hispanic guys. Yeah, yeah. I cannot uh, remember the characters names. Uh, Vince comes back 
he's like, hey, uh, I saved Mia from the guys. I was kind of like watching you, whatever. I'm back. Oh, good. You could be in the job now. Yeah, I he's like, trust you. All right. I mean, I, there's always room for family. Yeah. Always room for family at the table. You've been to church. You can you can ride with us. Uh, <laughs> so he he's part of it now. And I guess, yeah, he's he's on their side again. Yep. And will be for the rest of his life. Yeah. So but not quite 24 hours. So the next day they're like, all right, we are going to start the heist because according to the tracker chip, uh, Hobbs is all the way on the other side of the city for some reason. And half the team goes out in the cop cars and, oh, my God, it's Hobbs. He just showed up. Yeah, he he was faking him out. He found the tracker. So this is where tracker, we... and then I use it to track you. <laughs> and they have the brawl. We get the Vin yeah. on Rock brawl, which yes. Vin wins. Vin it's, does pretty definitively win this one. Like it's pretty punch for punch up until the end, but then he's got him down, and he has like he a has a wrench. yeah a huge fucking wrench, and he has it raised, and he could have hit him, but he just destroys the uh, concrete floor next to his head instead. The anime thing. Yeah, he's got to do it. He, he's got to get it out. Oh, yeah. You get the violence blue balls otherwise. Yeah. You don't but, want that. But they still get arrested <laughs> because the Rocks team still has all the uh, assault rifles and everything. Yeah, until they fucking get clipped. The, the, as they're taken away, they are all massacred. Yep, they are ambushed by Reyes' guys who are like, man, we really don't like that this fucking American guy is just tearing up whatever the hell he wants. They fucking hit their tank with a rocket launcher. They It flips. Uh, the guys all come out and they all get fucking gunned down around Vin Diesel in slow motion. He's like, Mr. Uh, guy's name. Oh, no. All my the guy who put the car back together. Oh, uh, my friends who have names they're all dead now i the want guy revenge. who convinced me not to fight yeah uh, elena frees paul walker and vin diesel and they save the rock at the last minute yeah. uh, gunning uh, down a bunch of thugs of course just pumping bullets like he's rambo in that fourth one where he's just <laughs> turning guys to mulch with the chain gun <laughs> so now so, he's sort of part of the team for temporarily because he wants revenge and he knows that the bad guys are really bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, after the whole thing's done, he's still going to come after Vin Diesel because, you know, it's still a name on his desk. Yeah. Still has to cross it off the list. It, it hasn't been wiped off his forehead. This golem is still coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Vince got hit in this firefight. I didn't see it happen, but he dies. Yeah, he gets shot, and then he's, like, in the backseat, and then, you know, it turns out he's been bleeding out, and, like... Yeah. You go well, to meet my son. Like, you have a son? And I think the son is probably in the subsequent movies, probably. We we see him at the very end of this one, like, very right. briefly. Yeah. They they go to see him and, and notify uh, the, the girl about Vince's death. Yeah. So they have the whole scene where it's like... If anyone wants to back out on this heist, now's the time. And they're like, no, no one ever backs out of this scene. Yeah, no, it's it's family. We're we're all family. We're all going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lock and load. The Rock is like, I'm, I'm covered in sweat. Let's get going. <laughs> <sighs> and now the heist. What an incredible fucking scene. The the this whole action sequence it it just never stops it's all one solid half hour block of just crazy action once they 
get in there and they get the two fucking cars chained to this vault pull it out of the fucking wall and then it's just them against the entire police force in downtown rio with a huge bank vault the like 10 ton bank vault on chains that they're like rolling over cars with that they're <laughs> rolling it through buildings like someone radio is like we heard you just took out a bank <laughs> <laughs> they're using like they're using this like not only is it their MacGuffin, but it's also their weapon they're like flinging it around like a ball and chain it's so they're using cool. it to fling themselves around and like um, neither car on its own is powerful enough to drag this huge fault but you know, so they, they have all these bits where they're pulling it in different directions or they have to get two of both of them going to get it rolling enough. And oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's like they had this concept of like two cars and a big fucking indestructible vault. That's the thing we got to understand here is that this vault, for the purposes of this chase, will destroy anything it touches. Yeah, it, it, nothing it just will destroy rolls the and flattens. Yeah. And apparently see- the cables holding the vault are invincible as well. But let's not worry about that. <laughs> Well, pretty high tension. It seems like they're well, like well-designed ones that have uh, good fail-safes, so they're not getting too. They they can't get twisted. They're just uh, like they're sort of hooks that allow them to swivel. Yeah, it's probably like aircraft-grade cable or something. I think so, and it seems pretty high tension because it cuts through some shit. <laughs> yeah, like they 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 bleed, they turn it into a tripwire at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like cut some cars in half with it. Yeah. Oh man. A lot yeah, of police they... cars flattened by this vault. Now, do you think that this one destroyed more cars than the first Blue Brothers movie? I think it's entirely Maybe. possible. I Maybe. mean, it's got to be up there because this is such an extended sequence. Uh, but I, I guess a lot of it's just <laughs> all sorts of violence like it uh, again like that that bank being taken out full of people all running <laughs> as, as this huge fucking bank comes in the picture window and rolls through <laughs> and just wow. seeing these two cars dragging this huge box down this street is just and, and apparently there's like no friction because these two cars are actually able to do it <laughs> oh man and then the, I think it's momentum. It's <laughs> but yeah, gotta they, be. It's, Although it's, they stop at one point. Well, yeah, there, there's a few points where they, they manage to get it stopped. But uh, it's it's a real cartoon physics in this movie. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like sometimes the vault is made out of uh, the same shit as bouncy balls. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't care. Heavy. I love it. Oh, it rules. It's so cool. And it's just nonstop. Uh, you got all of the guys doing different things. And... At some point, unbeknownst to the rock, they switch out the vault for another one uh, through a garbage truck. Yeah, the, the under a bridge. The practice vault that they had been using. Yeah, and then they take it onto the bridge. Oh and yeah, that where... that huge bridge, the famous bridge. Yeah, and and, uh, and the cops are coming after him, and the the rock's trying to take on the thugs, and the cops and. The main boss is chasing them in his own car. He's like, catch them, catch them. What are we going to do when we find them? Well, I don't know, but just catch them anyway. Yeah, so ultimately they have the big showdown on the bridge. You've got Paul Walker and Vin Diesel both dragging the things like, we're not going to make it. 
you got to get away with you, you got a family to raise family <laughs> it's like no i'm not gonna go without you and then vin diesel cuts him loose and he fucking turns around and just goes like straight well, he, towards he, he hits the nitro and he yep. fires it and starts just plowing down the road on like a kamikaze run against the main guy. And then he like swears at the last moment and fucking destroys their vehicle with the safe. Yeah. Um, just like bashes the fuck out of the guy who's like coming up the sunroom with his minigun. Like that guy's dead. Oh yeah. That guy is absolutely dead. <laughs> that guy didn't live. Um, yeah. They, they flip the dude's car over uh, the, the crime boss's car and his like number one minion comes out to uh, shoot him. Paul Walker stayed behind. Of course he did. Family. And he saved him. <laughs> Gun down. Gun down. So, yeah. Yeah. The crime boss crawls out of his car as the rock goes by. He's like, please save me. The rock doesn't <laughs> even look at him and shoots him twice in the face. Yeah. Just double tap direct at the head. Just on his way past. It's like, I have lots of money. I am. <laughs> Uh, the Rock is like pure adrenaline serial killer. This whole movie, mm-hmm. he kills so many people. Oh, he kills a lot. I think he has the highest personal kill count. Absolutely, and it does not affect him in the slightest. Nope. <laughs> he, he's like he's like a video game hero, like like yeah. the guy from Doom. He played the guy from Doom. He was Doom guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, he's like, you know, I can't let you go, Vin Diesel. I'm not built that way. The way I see it. Hmm? Well, he, he gives him uh, an ultimatum. That he, he's going to give him a very brief window of time. And like, if I see, I'm going to keep coming for you from that point on. Yeah, you got 24 hours. And after that, I will find you. And Vin Diesel's like, no, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah, I actually really love his delivery of that. The, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so funny. Like, no, you won't. <laughs> Not the least bit concerned. Just the the the, the same classic Vin Diesel. Uh, nothing can touch him. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> That's not yeah, good. come on. <laughs> and the but rock like, again. The same way. It's it, it, the dynamic between the two of them of him just totally nonchalant. No, you want it. And there, you, you see again, the rock covered Pouring in sweat, sweat. All, all muscles tensed to absolutely like deep breath, like doing like yeah. a stare down, like so angry, so fully intense. It's like, oh, whatever, man. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Diesel and Paul Walker drive away. It's like, also, rock. you're not taking the money. I'm keeping this. You're not taking the money. It's like, all right, man. And all they right. drive away. And, <laughs> and the he opens, opens up the, the safe. safe. It's empty. It's the, yeah, it's the fake one. <laughs> so, like, we, we mentioned it, that they, they switched it out in the middle with a garbage yeah. truck. It's not revealed until this moment. They do a flashback. It's like, oh, also this happened that you didn't see. Yeah. And the rock's just, this is the only time the rock has an emotion. He laughs. Yeah. He's like, okay, that's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Got to give it to him there. So we go back to the hideout. Uh, We open up the real safe and it's like, you know, those cartoons where somebody opens up their messy closet and all the shit just avalanches out. There's a cats and yammer kids. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) It's that with cash. 
uh, cash just pours out of it, and they're like, woohoo, shit. And they, you know, they they all get to go. They, they've previously had all these conversations of what they're going to do with the money, so they all get to do these things. Yep. Uh, Vin Diesel, of course, gives Vince's share to the kid. Yeah. The Spanish guys are in Monaco. I love their whole thing. Those guys One are fun. guy's like, I'm going to bet it all on black. No, you don't bet $10 million on black. You bet it on red. On red. (laughs) And of course, of course, it's one green thing. It's heading for double zeros. Uh, It's it's going all the way around, and but it stops before it, like the it cuts before we see it end. But it looks like they're both going to (laughs) lose. Of course, Uh, Ludacris has opened up his garage that he dreamed of, and he's going to give a fair price to people in the community, which Roman had been razzing about. It's like you're. Your dream is to start a new job? Man, that's bunk. I'm going to buy, like, the most expensive car and live really large. So he shows up with, and he's like, oh, it's the only one in the Western Hemisphere. I bought it from a, a Saudi. Yeah, and he's like, well, let's go Let's go driving then. What, you and that? No, not at this. <laughs> the same exact car wheels up. It's like, guess there's two in the Western Hemisphere. And, of course, there's a hot girl driving it. So he's of course. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I've been doing that, too. I've just also been living out my dream as a humble mechanic <laughs> and family meanwhile dom and yep. mia and brian dom and mia and brian and a uh, lady cop uh, elena elena right <laughs> is uh is dating dom now because once you've had a toretto i guess yeah. you stop being a cop i guess so good cure all yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and they're like they're like super happy. I never seen my sister this happy before. Yeah, they're they're really jazzed, and it's like, well, you. So did you uh, let me win that time? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, one more time. No bets, just the two of us on the open road. Yep. And then we get our credit scene, which is a stylized version of that. Which, of course, of course, we never find out the winner. It's so red, you know, it, it, they they face off and they peel out and then it it like revs into the credits and then the yeah. credits have kind of that kinetic action for the first little bit. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get our stinger. Right. Which was I can't remember now. It's, uh, it's the, the rock, right? Is, it's the rock. He's in his office. He's, you know, being a sad sack because he has to do paperwork and remember how to read. So he's sweating. And uh, some hot assistant comes up and is like, you want to read this file? Is it Toretto? Because if it's not, I'm not interested. Oh, yeah, it's you... Letty. Letty. Okay. I don't know who that is. Oh, oh, but Vince mentions uh, in the argument near the beginning, he's like, where's Letty, Dom? Where's yeah. Letty? I think Letty was in one of the, I think Letty was in the first one. She was the girlfriend in the first one. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's Michelle Rodriguez's character. Oh, oh uh, and shit. then so that was Michelle. Okay. Yeah, and in in the fourth one, she's presumed dead, much right. like uh, Han is presumed dead prior to this <laughs> film. So uh, yeah, there supposedly she's still alive somewhere. So th- this this really is a Thanos uh, stinger. Yeah, I'm putting together a team. Right. Well, that's kind of all of the. No, I mean, that's that, this movie was a whole. Are anyway, yeah. yeah, they they are superhero movies. And this is the one that really cements the series as a superhero franchise, but without superhero source material. No capes or costumes. They just got the cars. 
Yeah. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> it's so great. It's such great action. Like, oh, prime vault scene is action. Like, the vault scene is an all-timer. So good. For me. Yeah, no, uh, at the top. Like, one of the all-time great uh, car action sequences. Like, one of the best car chases of all time, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, probably, I'm going to say it's a top fiver for me. I could totally see that. Yeah, at, yeah. at least top ten. It's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know enough different car chases that I could actually name four fair. others that I know. Uh, fair, fair. Freeway scene in the one Matrix. Blues that was great. I love that There's one. other ones, and I'm sure there's great ones in movies I've seen. I just can't think of them right now. Oh, for sure. Bullet has one of the all-timers, of course. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, practically the whole movie is one. The original mm-hmm. gun, 60 seconds from the oh, set. Ambulance, although I don't ambulance know ambulance has is some. It. Ambulance is another one where it's like almost the whole movie is crazy uh, car chase sequences. <laughs> yeah, there's some good shit. Anyway, yeah. do you have any last thoughts on Fast Five before we continue on to our third and final section? Yeah, family continues on to the third and final section. They shine together. <laughs> family. And we are back for our third and final section where we're talking about the other stuff we've watched on Boutique Blu-ray in the past week and deciding what we're going to cover next week. So we have uh, nine choices this week. It's uh, less than we've had in a while. Yeah, that's a, that's a smaller number than usual. But I think we have some pretty interesting stuff. So first up is Attack of the Beast Creatures. This is one I... Uh, it, this is one from the January Vinegar Syndrome order that I unfortunately arrived broken, so oh. I uh, didn't get a, a chance to watch it until my February package arrived last week. And obviously, it was the first thing I put on because I was pretty hyped about this when I sent you pictures of uh, some of the imagery from this one back when. Yeah, you sent us clips of this too. Uh, the, <laughs> the little monster things. They're kind of gremlin esque, but they're sort of like the. The the Zuni fetish doll in uh, the Trilogy of Terror. They're these little red... They they look like wood sculpture guys. They got little teeth. Right. And they bite people. They they chew people <laughs> up. And they're, they're like... And an individual one is not all that dangerous. But, you know, you get a whole bunch of them together. And they also fire arrows and stuff. You know, they're, they're little beast men. And they eat people. Oh. So it's, it's a shipwreck... And the survivors land on this island that seems really dangerous. It's got these, it's crawling with these beast creatures. And also, uh, some of the pools of water are super acidic and will just melt you into a skeleton if you try to take a drink. We won't tell you which ones. You never know. It's real hazardous. Uh, Dangerous island, not fit for uh, humans. And yeah, yeah, people deal with that. It's it's fun. It's very cheap. You know, it's an 80s (laughs) movie, but... Uh, really super low budget, uh, but very charming low budget. Okay. Next, we've got Son of the Stars, or The Son of the Stars, I guess. On the poster, the little guy, I don't even know if he's a robot, but he looks like a really sad bender. Yeah, he's kind of... This is a strange movie. So you remember uh, Delta Space Mission? Yes, I do. Um... This is... This is another Romanian animated film from the same people. Oh, okay, okay. And this one's not based on a TV series. This one's just, or actually, maybe this one also derives from a series. It's much more psychedelic, and it's a much more of a consistent arc. 
more psychedelic than that? Oh, oh way more psychedelic. Uh, oh. It's it's really crazy. It's sort of them doing a Luke Skywalker sort of story, but it's like there's this kid. He is he's uh, he's the last survivor of uh, whatever. There, there's some sort of massacre or something. I can't remember exactly what happens at the beginning, but he is escaping in the ship. He lands on this planet and it's a dead planet, but it's right. haunted by the ghosts of the former or like they're sort of like ghosts. It, that, that's what this guy is uh, on the paint, the sad bender looking guy. He's a sad ghost. Yeah, they're they're all sort of ghosts and they they've made themselves into this very kid friendly looking form so that they can raise this baby to be their Avenger to fight the, you know, the evil it's it's kind of an evil concept in space it's uh it's it's like gigas you know he has to fight this sort of amorphous being who just is this force of evil and is exerting uh violent energies and stuff can you comprehend the true form of his attack i mean it's hard to say it's kind of <laughs> like that it, it like the final battle does have sort of that vibe to it cool. and you know just him, th- this guy battling through all of these fallen civilizations and these huge crumbling ruins. Uh, it's really interesting. I-, I really loved it. All right. Cool. Next, we've got Almost a Movie. Kind of almost. A movie? Almost. almost. <laughs> yeah, almost. It's, it's sort of nearly one. Uh, this is from the Michael J. Murphy box. This one is pretty much a complete one. Uh, it's about 45 minutes, and it's about this guy who. He sucks. He's. <laughs> He wants to be a screenwriter and his dad runs a studio or his uncle owns some studio. So he's like bought and paid for and he like works in the movie industry, but he wants to work on his own, make his important screenplays because he really feels like he's a big shot. Okay. And so he's going to write his own script and to do that, he's going to research it by becoming a serial killer. So he starts killing people. He starts Uh. killing women. Uh, and then he's there's this one lady he collects, you know, like the collector, you know, the, the uh-huh. story. And he he's like keeping her in his house and telling her about all this stuff. And I don't know. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> all right. And then at the end, um, maybe it didn't happen. or I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Sure. <laughs> Next, we've got 28 Days Later. Did you see this one? Did you I see saw days it. I remember thinking it was pretty good. I uh, don't remember anything about it. It's totally one I saw in theater at the time. And uh, it's it's a pretty game changer for the zombie uh, concept. You know, they, they say it's not a zombie movie, but it's a zombie movie. Right, of course. They're, they're never it, zombie movies, but they're always zombie movies. Yeah, exactly. It's the rage virus. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, everybody gets rabies and it's fast zombies. It's for me, the only time fast zombies has worked other than nightmare city. Mm-hmm. The only time fast zombies have worked in a dramatic context. Right. <laughs> uh, 28 days later, it's Danny Boyle who did train spotting. Oh, right. Right. Okay. He had sort of had a couple flops and this was just like no budget shot on video. It's really down and dirty it's super high energy and just like grungy as hell. Uh, and yeah, it looks fucking crazy. The, how low quality it looks is 
uh, interesting for the the atmosphere it gives it. It makes it feel like it's security footage or body cam footage that you're looking at oh, most of the time. That, that's interesting. I don't remember it, that, but that's neat. Yeah, it almost feels it, it's like watching old news footage. So it's and, you know, this is 2003. It's just, you know, it's during the Iraq war and everything. And I, I think it was actually sh- it was it finished shooting or it started shooting right before September 11th. So they got all of their major shots of like closed thoroughfares just before that. And then everything changed and the movie kind of took on some of the tone of the era. I see. But yeah, just a really fascinating zombie movie, uh, really playing with the tropes in a interesting way. I think Cillian Murphy is really fantastic in it. This is like his debut movie. Cool. Like not first ever, but certainly the one that makes him a star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, The Executioner. Ooh, Sonny Chiba. Sonny Chiba. Uh, he, he's actually sort of part of a super team here. Not really a super team, like a heist team. It's a Sonny Chiba heist movie, I guess. Okay. Uh, they're, you know, they, they gotta fight these guys. Uh, it, they're, these, each of them have this introduction sequence where, you know, someone's like, well, there's this guy, and then, you know, they show him beating the shit out of someone and you know each of those dudes. So it's not him who does, or maybe it's a couple different dudes who do it, because a, a different guy in the opening sequence does the thing where he hits the guy really hard in the back of the head and his eyes pop out, which is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I think you sent me a clip of that. <laughs> uh, or, or did... I don't know. I, I definitely told you about it last week. Yeah, that, okay, that's probably what I'm thinking of. But, you know, just uh, lots of weapons. They're they're actually funded by a rogue cop who's like, I want to set up my own super team to take out the really bad guys. So I'm going to get these criminals who are willing to work on the right side of the law to work with me and will sanction them. And then, you know, they're going to just fucking go up against the crime bosses. Of course. Sonny Chiba's got a grappling hook. There's a part where he, like, grappled someone's leg, and he's, mm-hmm. like, pulling up. Like, he's fallen off a cliff, and he's trying to get up, but he doesn't realize it's in someone's leg. <laughs> uh, I sent you a couple clips from this. There's one where it's Sonny Chiba just beating up a bunch of dudes in this black void with neon lights in the background, which is fucking incredible. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, you remember that one. <laughs> it's good shit. Uh, next up, Terror Train. This is a uh, early Canucksploitation slasher, one of the first oh. big Canadian ones uh, post-Halloween. It's Halloween on a train. The boys and girls of Sigma Phi, some will live, some will die. Correct. Uh, it's got David Copperfield. No Second kidding. build. He's huh. performing a really goofy uh, disco magic act on the train as the it's like a main act. <laughs> uh jamie lee curtis as well they they got her she's like we're we're gonna do a proper halloween on a train we're gonna get jamie lee curtis in for it and it feels she like it, final girl it yes it feels like uh, it could be her character from halloween just now in medical school okay all right so it's it's a train full of med students it's new year's eve and three years earlier they'd pulled this prank on this dude where they suggested he was going to go up and get laid, and then it turns out there's a dead body in the bed. A pretty right. classic med student prank. Uh, okay. <laughs> he flips out 
and it, it seems like he has a total breakdown and then it cuts to three years later and so it's them doing this new year's thing and so it's uh pretty obvious that kenny the guy that they messed with is going to be coming back for revenge on new year's on the train and so it's a slasher going through a train and you don't know who it could be because he can change costumes when he kills someone so he's in different outfits during the okay he's just in different outfits he doesn't like steal their faces or anything no but like he yeah he puts on different costumes like there's initially a guy with a groucho mask that i i sent you the clip of the the groucho guy uh (laughs) under the rails of the train (laughs) yes (laughs) which is very intense that's the opening that's like how it starts it's a very crazy first kill uh once you uh get going a really great one i think it's a totally fascinating slasher it's really bizarre really grody uh you got Hart Bachner uh, is really fun as the jerk guy who has uh, planned the whole thing and was is the big prankster of the bunch. Oh, right on. And it's a Canadian movie. Oh, that's cool. Made in Montreal. Uh, it's Roger Spottiswood who has a bizarre career. Uh, he <laughs> went on to do <laughs> Spottiswood. He did uh, Tomorrow Never Dies of the James Bond movies. No kidding. That Much one... later. Uh, not a very good one. For that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of mad. Uh, he also did Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> I never saw that, but I've always kind of wanted to because the title is, I don't know if it's good or bad, but the title, sta- the title stands out. It's a movie that I think Arnold Schwarzenegger tricked Stallone into taking. Because this was a period where they were heavily in competition with each other. And I believe the story behind that one is that Arnold Schwarzenegger put it out that he really wanted the role. And Stallone went and took the role. And then, you know, Schwarzenegger's like, yeah, punk, that movie's going to be such a bomb. That looks terrible. And it's, you know, him, his mom is Estelle Getty. And sometimes she has a gun. Uh, it's bad. I've seen it. I watched it on TV as a kid. Oh, fuck. All right. Uh, Next up is Martha, a picture story. So uh, this is a documentary about Martha Cooper. Okay. Uh, She's a very famous photographer. She was the very first female photographer for National Geographic. Oh, okay. Cool. And her big thing, she was in New York City during the 60s and 70s, and she just was the color photographer for New York Post. So she's just like out taking pictures of people all the time. And she happened to be the person who most chronicled the early hip hop scene, especially graffiti. Yeah, I'm seeing the description here that she captured some of the first images of graffiti. Yeah, and she's comprehensively collecting all the graffiti because she got to know all the graffiti artists. She made friends with all of them because she's just the most genuine and lovable person. She's so likable cool and it's just you know her uh we see her reconnecting with people from those days uh you see that like now she lives in baltimore and it's her continuing to take all of this interesting street photography and uh documenting the current street life in baltimore and what it's like there you know post you know uh, a good decade past the wire where things are (laughs) like there yeah yeah the wire which yeah uh, after mcnulty uh shook the world by (laughs) (laughs) oh season five season four was some of the best tv ever though oh yeah season five has its moments (laughs) season five has no season five's still good but they needed to stop when they did 
Yeah, or they needed more time. The problem was that that fifth season was heavily compressed, is my understanding. Oh, I see. Although, I don't know, the serial killer plotline, it's it's it arguably works. jumping the shark for that series, but it was fun. It works it for worked. McNulty. It works, yeah. <laughs> yes. Next up, uh, Men in Black 2. Ooh, it so, stinks. is it as bad as all that? It is. It's actually worse than I remembered. Because oh. the thing is, when I watched it a couple years ago, I was like, I thought Men in Black was really good, but I could be wrong because I watched it in 1997 when I was a right. teenager. Uh, right. And, and of I course really you're going to think it's good as a teenager. Yeah. And then I came back to it and it's like, wow, it is really good. Maybe we'll, we'll see how Men in Black 2 fares up against it. And, you know, I put a week or so in between. It sucks. It's fucking awful. It makes no sense. This is a movie that was destroyed by 9-11. Oh. Uh, its whole last act took place in the World Trade Center. Ooh. It finished shooting September 2001. <gasps> so they, they, they're they like going into post-production and 9-11 happens and they have to just create a new movie. They Like their whole third act, they just lop it off. They add just, a, it's like, well, I guess this is the ending now. And they set, they do a bunch of reshoots to set as much stuff as they can just in whatever location they already had hanging around. Uh, <laughs> so it, it makes sense that it's a disaster, but yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Uh, part of it is like, even if that hadn't happened, I think the tone is completely lost. Uh, it's like I said last time, there's, you're spending so much time with the short-term comedic characters who were funny in the previous movie, you get way too much of them in this movie, and they're also way too much now. Like, they've been amplified. <laughs> like, it's even it even shows it visually because there's Tony Shalhoub, who's in both of these movies. In the previous movie, he's got, you know, makeup to make him look a little bit alieny. One of his eyes is a little droopy. His ears are a little bit big. His nose is a little bit big. In this one, yeah. it's cartoonish. It's grotesque. He looks like he he sadly looks like a, a Nazi Germany depiction of a Jewish person. It's awful. Oh. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh. Uh, him running the pawn shop as the pawn shop alien. Oh. It's 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 brutal. Uh, Does he do the the thing that they that they stereotypically do with their hands that like the green money grubby no, thing. They're they're not like I don't think they intentionally landed on it. It's just they had it kind of as the character in the first one and they exaggerate it too much in this one and I don't think they were thinking of it because it's two thousand one. It's the height yeah. of stupid culture. Oh yeah. The, like two thousand one I wasn't thinking of that. Yeah. And <laughs> you watch it as like Oof, that looks bad. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, I, I think one of the biggest problems is that Will Smith is just not fun anymore in this. He's playing Will Smith. He's just this angry guy who doesn't like doing anything. It's the same character as Mike Lowry in the Bad Boys movies. <laughs> uh, angry Will Smith. That's. I think that's the real Will Smith. And oh, I, all the funny shit is like... And the That's problem is, the act. yeah, there's very little of the funny stuff. He's not very funny in this. He's mostly just angry or trying to be really cool and showing off how he like the, they're supposed to be low key. And the whole thing is, you know, they drive this in the first one. They're driving this a really low key vehicle that is super powered. But <laughs> he's just driving like a top of the line, like Mercedes and being really flashy. And just like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be a man in black. He's driving a vehicle Dominic Toretto would steal. 
Yes. Uh, it's it's weird. It, it like I the concept is good and you still have a pretty solid cast. Tommy Lee Jones is still very funny. Mm. <laughs> he he does, except, you know, sometimes they have him and Rip Torn all do like crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff where they like hover in the air and do kicks. I I don't even know what the hell they were doing. Like it's it's well, stu- the agents stunning. did that at the Matrix, so maybe they were doing yeah, that. Agents, I guess. Uh, it's it's such a failed movie. It's crazy how bad it is. That's a shame. It is, but the first one's still really great. So you know, yeah. there's that. You know, I was hearing even back then that like the second one just was awful and not worth watching. That's probably why I never saw it. Yeah, I never saw it at the time. I remember hearing that everyone was just like, "Meh, why? Who cares? Well, what is this? Is there even a movie here? Because it's just <laughs> there's not much happens. Like it it should be all right. You've got uh, Lara Flynn Boyle." Is the main villain? Uh, oh, yeah, Twin Peaks. Yep. Uh, Audrey from Twin Peaks. She's the main villain, which is kind of cool. She's a big snake alien from outer space who eats people. Shit! Why am I? You know, that's you could you could if without all that other stuff, you could have sold me this movie on <laughs> yeah, that. Audrey it, it, from Twin Peaks is a snake alien that eats people. Fuck yeah. yeah. Should work. You know that that's a pretty good idea. Unfortunately, her sidekick is Johnny Knoxville with two heads that keep talking. Oh. So there's that too. Also, the effects are a huge step down for some reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know what they did wrong. <laughs> the effects are, look way, way hackier than the previous one. Okay. And last example, or last, uh, last choice, last uh, option is Bio Zombie. Oh. This is pretty cool. Uh, this is a late '90s Hong Kong mall zombie movie. Two mall employees driving to work hit a man who drank a soda with a laced with a chemical that turns people into cannibals. So it's it's I, this guy. I don't know exactly what his deal is. I think they were buying it as a biological weapon, and it's uh, the they have it hidden in a bottle of Lucasade. Okay. <laughs> and they had there's these two scumbags. They work in a bootleg VCD shop <laughs> in in a mall. And uh, they, it, they have just this whole criminal enterprise. They're robbing people on the side. They're, they're just these total scumbags. Yeah. They, they know all the other scumbags in the mall. And uh, they they run over this guy and he's talking about the Lucasaid because he had it in the briefcase. You know, it's it's his fucking chemical weapon. Very dangerous. Right. Yeah. And they think he just wants to drink it. So they pour it in his mouth and he becomes a zombie. They put oh, him fuck. in the trunk and take him back to the mall and just leave him in the parking lot while they figure out what's going on. Cause a cop went by and right. they, you know, tried to play it off that he was just drunk <laughs> rather than that. They'd killed him by running him over. Yeah. So yeah, they get out of there. They bring there. He's his body's there, you know, juicing up into zombie and then, <laughs> you know, turns into a zombie outbreak in a mall, like just at closing time. So, Everyone has gotten out except the people who work in the stores and all have these little interpersonal petty feuds and shit. That could be really fun. It's really fun. Uh, it's very uh, self-contained because it's pretty much all inside the mall. And it's just this great, very dense mall. You know, the, these 90s Hong Kong malls that are just like glass and neon and all these really tiny little shops. Oh, cool. That sounds really fun. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. All right. So those are our nine picks. What are you thinking? We haven't done a zombie <laughs> movie before, have we? I don't think we, we did. Have. We did Pathogen, which is uh, the, oh, the zombie yeah. movie made by a 12-year-old. 
that counts. That counts. It's a yeah. zombie movie. It's um, because you kind of got me sold on the bio zombie thing. It's Although pretty I was, cool. Yeah. I was thinking Terror Train, but we have done a lot of slashers. This is a unique slasher. It is a strange one, uh, but you know both of those are pretty excellent. Uh, I can't really. Uh, fault either in terms of tone like uh do you do you have anything that would sway you one way or the other um is uh is either of them silly and i don't know if i want the answer to be yes or not but there's there's definitely a degree of ridiculous goofiness in bio zombie uh Terror Train is sometimes accidentally silly because, like, David Copperfield's act is very cornball. Like, there, there's he he does like the trick and joke shop thing where you push a cigarette through a quarter and it's like a trick quarter, and you can even see that it's a trick quarter. It's like you're David Copperfield, really? Are you doing this thing? And he's like really aggressive about how how real magic is, and so like they're they're doing one of those pick your card things like. Oh yeah, I'll show how to make it intense, and he's using a throwing knife to do it. <laughs> it's cute, uh, but like BioZombie is more intentionally doing a very like kind of amplified stuff. It's got uh, it's it's got an Evil Dead kind of ramped up sensibility to it. Oh. It's you know Evil Dead meets Dawn of the Dead. I guess Evil Dead is kind of a zombie movie too. True, true. Yeah, it's it's zombie movie adjacent. Yeah. Yeah, zombie adjacent. That's what I call that series. Yeah, it's like haunted zombie house. Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, let's let's try bio zombie. Alrighty, that's pretty cool. That's a brand new one from Vinegar Syndrome that just came out this uh, this month. Cool. So we only have a very small number of additions to the stacks this week. Uh, there's of course Gamera versus Jagger, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, from the Michael J. Murphy's box, the next one is called The Cell. This is one that's only like 15 minutes long. About uh, uh, condemned prisoner who uh, he he wants a psychologist to come spend his last moments with him. And uh, it's 15 minutes. I don't know. That's probably about it. Hmm. So th- this is the J-Lo Cell. No, different movie. Uh, Tarsem Singh. That's a cool movie. Weird movie. Yeah, it was weird. Very cool visuals, maybe not great beyond the visuals, but interesting. Tarsem Singh, interesting director. You ever seen The Fall? I'm not sure. It's a really interesting, uh, beautifully shot movie. It's sort of a tribute to stunt people. Uh, Next up, we've got The Executioner 2, Karate Inferno. (laughs) Is this another Sonny Chiba? It is, and it's. I think it's pretty much a straight sequel. It's the same group of actors. I think it's them getting the super team back together to do, uh, this time it's a jewel heist, a diamond heist. Ooh. <laughs> Sounds kind of rad. Yeah, it does. And last up is The Rainbow Boys, which is a Canadian movie, a British Columbia movie. Oh. So Northern BC, I think it's around Lytton. Okay. And it's Donald Pleasance. In the 70s as an old prospector in northern BC who's just this weird old prospector who drives around on a motorcycle with a sidecar and goes on little misadventures. I do love me some Donald Pleasance. Uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. He's, he's actually been in a lot of stuff on the show, too. Along we've with covered that. him quite a few times, yeah. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of movies that we haven't covered that he's been in when he turned into a pig. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. American Rickshaw, good times. Oh, that that movie was 
way better than I expected. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> so, for our main feature, what are you thinking? Oh, what indeed. So, you've said in the past that some of these stacks are themed, and I don't know if we've had this conversation before. <laughs> Many of them are, yeah. Yeah, like uh, the one that had the tall T was like kind of Western-themed. A lot of Westerns there, yep. Uh, what are like a couple of other themes that stand out? Hmm, let's see. Because some of them are just like briefly themed at the top, and uh, it's it's more the inactive stacks that tend to be themed, but I've kind of been okay. trying to... Uh, put things like a lot of the time what I'll do is a lot of them will be one studio so or or label so like the one that has uh the 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 one with rainbow boys at the top right now is a lot of vinegar syndrome partner label stuff uh you've got the one with bloody mama at the stop which is uh, at the top which is a lot of kino stuff okay uh, you'll get a lot of directors together. So, you know, you've got Snake of June, which, of course, is our group with all of the Tsukamoto's. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else here? There, I was going through all the Rolands in the two orphan vampires, so there's only a couple of those left there. So I don't remember what that gets into from that point. Okay. Uh, Fugitive from the Past, that's mostly Arrow stuff. I think also the same for Flatliners. That's a big Arrow stack okay cool cool um uh, highway racer is all it, it, that's a stack that's mostly plesioteski come to think of it all right uh well there's been a few times now that i've mentioned the flatliners and ended up not picking it um mm. at least twice this has happened uh maybe more i don't know but i think it's time to finally do that one all right, continuing our coverage of Joel Schumacher, we've watched a couple of his movies now, uh, Lost uh, Boys and Batman Forever. Yeah, that's right. And I keep wanting, I keep getting them mixed up. Covering the two movies didn't help because the Wild Boys and the Lost Boys and Lost Highway are right. still always yeah. getting mixed up in my brain. <laughs> that's fair. Oh, this one <laughs> does bring back Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, again, young Kiefer Sutherland. This is 1990. It's, I think, three years after Lost Boys. Uh, oh, you got so... Kevin Bacon in there now, too. Oh, cool. And, you know, it's got Julia Roberts. You got Oliver Platt, William Baldwin. It's it's a, a bunch of it's not quite Brat Pack, but, you know, late 80s uh, post teen heartthrobs uh, sort of all, all of them are med students. They're going to find out if there's life after death. Because they like to die and then come back. It's flatlining. Living on the edge, or maybe yeah. just a little bit past it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember it being a lot of fun. Uh, it's you know, it's Schumacher. It's very horny. It's very neon. <laughs> it's a good time. Cool, cool. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, interesting, and both very neon movies, as I recall. Oh, nice. So next week we'll be doing Flatliners and Biozombie. I think that's a pretty sensible pairing, both kind of working at the the fringes of death. <laughs> right on. Uh, so any last thoughts for this week before we close? Yeah, I want my dessert first. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, your family. <laughs>